are on air for NASCAR Weekend Preview, along with our Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, and our preview this week centers around Richmond and Toledo. So with that, let me bring in our co-host for today, and that is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Uh, thank you, Sharon. I know it's a little earlier than normal, but uh started looking at some of the notes we got to go over here and things. Uh, I'm pretty awake now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's going to be plenty to talk about. Uh, throughout our show today, as well as on our hot topics that starts at 10 o'clock. But before we get to uh, at 10 o'clock, that starts uh, after the first 90 minutes. Okay, so here's the deal. In our first half hour, we're going to preview the Arkham Menard Series in Toledo, and uh, we'll include a few updates from the Arca East and West. Next, we're going to preview the NASCAR Truck Series race at Richmond, that should take us uh, <clears throat> to the second half hour. And uh, then we're going to preview the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. That takes us from the second half hour into our third half hour. And, of course, our hot topic sound off in our last half hour with probably, I'm guessing, some overtime content. <clears throat> okay, so Maybe just day, a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get into it with the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, they are racing at Toledo Speedway uh, this weekend, and uh, uh, that race is going to be taking place. It's the Royal Truck and Trailer 200 at Toledo Speedway Saturday, September the 12th, and that should start at about 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so... Uh, Check your local listings for the exact time in your area. It will be televised on MAV-TV, as well as if you're a member of Track Pass on NBC Gold, you'll be able to watch the live streaming there. This is a half-mile paved oval. There is going to be a practice session as well as a qualifying session. So uh, practice takes place from 1.45 to 2.30 p.m. and qualifying at 3.30 p.m., so the race, as we mentioned earlier, is at 5 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so let's get started, Jay. This is uh, going to be interesting because uh, we've got a couple of drivers that have been really good this season. Well, it's going to be a real interesting first off. It's one race, but there's twice as much on the line. When Arkham yes. returns to its home track Saturday at the Royal Track Truck and Trailer 200, that race will not only serve as the next round of the Arkham Menard Series Championship, but will also factor into the Arkham Menard Series East. And fans will get a chance to watch in person for the first time in 2020 at this half-mile track for the Arca Series. Yes, that's, that's going to make it really a lot of fun because uh, I know a lot of the drivers have missed the uh, fans at the track. Uh, Kevin Harvick made that real clear and uh, now we'll be able to see fans at the ARCA race, which is pretty darn cool. Now, there are some things for you to watch for because Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs have both visited Victory Lane this year at Toledo Speedway. So Saturday's race, uh, it means more than just bragging rights. Uh, as, uh, as Jay mentioned, it's not just the ARCA Menard Series, it's the ARCA Menard Series East. 
So those two guys are both uh, racing in the Arkham Art Series, and they are going after the championship picture uh, for the ages. Usually we have one driver who pretty much dominates for the season, but this year we've got a battle going on. Uh, Mayor leads Ty Gibbs by just 13 points in that East title. But on the Arkham Art Series, we have an even tighter battle. That's right. You got Michael Self and Brett Holmes separated by just one point there for the Arkham Menard Series chase. Now, in the first event back in June, Holmes opted to run the East race at Toledo, and he came away with a third-place finish and renewed confidence, and he's clawed his way back into championship conversation. He finished one spot ahead of Self on July 31st and August 2nd. And then we and got then another wild card. Smith. Exactly. There he is. There's also Chandler Smith, uh, the Georgia driver who won the General Tire Pole Award and led 103 laps in the July 31st race before finishing 11th with suspension issues. Now, he bounced back and finished second in the race, a abbreviated race, uh, that was concluded two days later. He also won the 2019 race at Toledo. So he's definitely going to be one of the drivers to look out for, but we've got a couple of others here too. That's right. And it's not even about the Venturini team. In this case, it's Haley Deegan. She's still looking for her first win coming off a very strong showing at Lebanon I-44 Speedway, but the driver on the move is her teammate, DGR Crosley teammate, Taylor Gray. Now, Gray had a top five run in his debut at Toledo in June, stemmed by uh, transmission issues and then finished third in July. So there's two of the DGR Crosley teammates, not necessarily talking about as far as the championship battle, but still out there and obviously up front hunting those wins. Absolutely. Uh, now let's look at some of the technical things about the race. Uh, the starting field uh, is uh, be, will be the first uh, – Top running cars in the two-lap qualifying. Uh, the remaining spots are uh, through the provisional process, but I don't think we have to worry about that in this race. Uh, qualifying, they're going to do two consecutive laps for qualifying. No adjustments or repairs can be made on a car after taking the green flag at the start-finish line, and all cars must make in a qualifying attempt. All drivers must practice before they can qualify. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there is a practice session as well as qualifying for this race, which is pretty cool. Do you want to talk about the pit box, Jay? Um, actually, okay. Not sure. Go ahead. I'm not sure where oh. you were at there. Okay. Oh, here we go. No, no adding. Or, did you find it? Tires, two are from the pit box uh, once the race has started. A maximum of four uh, crew members may service the car. No tires or fuel may be added outside of the brake. Okay, now the, uh, <clears throat> the race is going to be 200 laps or 100 miles, and uh, it'll be run, <clears throat> both be run in three segments. The race will have the first brake at or near the conclusion of lap 75. The race will have its second break at or near the conclusion of lap 150, and at the conclusion of any of the breaks, 
vehicles will line up in the order that they were running at the beginning of the break. So it takes a lot of the pressure off of these guys in the on pit road. Now, according to the NARCA rule book, the maximum number of tires allowed in the pit box is a total number of six. So let's uh, let's take a look at the entry list for this because, as you mentioned, we're going to have uh, Arkham Menard Series East as well as Arkham Menard Series drivers on this entry list. All right, and I'll start, start down at the bottom. Uh, 19 cars entered numerically from the bottom to the top. We got the 91. That'll be Justin S. Carroll, uh, owned by Terry Carroll Toyota, and Jim Long is the crew chief. And then you have the Chevrolet number 48 of Brad Smith's cell phone team with Jeff Smith as the crew chief. Okay. Uh, in the number 42 car is Parker Retzlaff uh, dri- driving with uh, owner Bruce Cook in a Toyota with Sean Daniel. I'm sorry, Sean Samuels as his crew chief. Now, Kevin Reed is going to be the crew chief for the number 25, Michael Self, Kathy Venturini-owned uh, Toyota at this race. Next up, and we're going to have the, the 25E. Again, that will establish him as an East driver is Mason Diaz. Uh, Kathy Venturini listed as the uh, car owner for the Toyota. And TBA, he does a lot. TBA does crew chief and driving. You never know what he's going to do. Uh, no crew chief <laughs> announced yet here for that number 25 but Shane Huffman we know he's going to be on the box for your championship contender Brett Holmes in a cell phone Stacy Holmes listed as the owner of that Chevrolet yeah I'm really anxious to see how they fare this weekend along with the number 21 of Sam Mayer in the GMS Chevrolet with Marty Lindley as the crew chief now also Billy Venturini will be the crew chief for the Venturini 20 driven by Chandler Smith and here's the two we already talked about, the 18, Gibbs Racing, Coy Gibbs-owned uh, Toyota. Mark McFarlane is the crew chief for Ty Gibbs. And then Taylor Gray in the D- David Gilliland Owen Ford, number 17. And Blake Bainridge doing a great job with Taylor Gray this year as the crew chief. Okay, Shannon Rush is the crew chief for the number 15 Venturini Toyota, driven by Drew Dollar. Also, we have in the number 12, Mike Basham in the Hillenburg Toyota with Mike Struff as his crew chief. And here we have another split. The 11E, that'll be Bob Polowski, cell phone team Chevrolet, crew chief of Ron Otto. And the straight up number 11, that'll be a Andy Hillenburg Ford. And that'll be Rick Clifton behind the wheel with Terry Galgon as the crew chief. Trey, yeah. Also in the number 10 is Owen Smith for Handy Hillenburg uh, Chevrolet, and Tim Moore is the crew chief there. And then Steve Blattenberger is the crew chief for the Rev Racing Toyota, driven by Nick Sanchez, the number six. Uh, Host of the season there, the 06 will be Tim Richmond in a Wayne Peterson-owned Toyota with Brad Fry as the crew chief. And the aforementioned Haley Deegan in that number four, David Gillen Ford, with Seth Smith as the crew chief. And our number uh, one driver with the lowest number in the 4E uh, for the East uh, is Chase Cabre, Chase Cabre driving for Rev Racing Toyota with Glenn Parker as his crew chief. 
So uh, this is going to be an exciting race. Toledo is considered kind of a home track for the ARCA Racing Series and uh, because they are based out of Ohio. So this is, uh, this is really going to be a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I can't wait to see how it ends up at the end. Uh, do you have a preference for who you think might win this race, Jay? This one could be a, an extreme wild one. Uh, we talked about Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs, as far as the battles they've been ha- having. You mix in the battle for the championship, uh, Arkham Menard Series championship, Michael Self and Brett Holmes. Then you got a couple of the wild cards, Chandler Smith. And I, by wild cards, I just mean ones we're not t- necessarily talking about uh, as far as championship hunt. But Chandler Smith, we know what he can do on short tracks, as well as Haley Deegan. So uh, picking one here is extremely tough i i'd have to narrow it down i'll I'll go with sam Mayer. he has just been so dominant uh so far this season no matter what he's run in okay i'm gonna say chandler smith is the guy i'm gonna pick for this weekend okay we've talked about the royal truck and trailer 200 uh being both an east as well as an arkham and art series race uh the next race uh, after this is going to be the Sioux Chief Showdown for the Bush Beans 200 on September the 17th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time at Bristol Motor Speedway. And then for the West, uh, let me just check here. They're saying October 23rd, but they just announced another race for the West. And let me look at it here because I wrote it down in my book. Um, yes, they're going to be racing at the Las Vegas Bullring on the 26th of September. So mark that on your calendar. That race will take place at 2 p.m. Central. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. And uh, you'll be able to watch the live streaming of that race if you are a Track Pass member on NBC Gold. So uh, watch for that race. There's not a lot of info out about it right now, uh, but uh, that is coming up. Uh, after that September 17th race, we will see the uh, Arkham and Art Series West back on track at uh, at the Las Vegas Bullring. All right, so uh, Jay, we've got a little bit of time here. We've got quite a bit of time here. Uh, let's go over uh, where we are with the uh, fantasy group going into Richmond. Before we get into that, uh, I, I wanted to ask, because I, I was looking for some information on it, is this tra- race not one of the Sioux Chief Showdown races? I don't believe it is. Let me let me just okay. look here real quick. Uh, let's see, schedule. Because I wasn't finding that, but uh, being that we talked about the top two in each, while you're looking for that, talk about the uh, yeah. overall Arkham and Ard Series point standings. Uh, we talked about Michael Self being one point ahead of Brett Holmes. Haley Deegan, again, starting to really battle up front for those wins with three top fives now, sitting minus 48. She's having her own battle with Drew Dollar at minus 52. All four of those started all 14 races. Dad Moffitt in fifth place. Got a little bit of a gap there as he has only started 12 races, so he's at 160 points back. And I thought I had, here we go, the uh, East Series points. Talking about that oh, battle, Sam Mayer. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me, let okay. me intervene here. 
Uh, I want to just let you know that the next Suchi Showdown race is that race on September the 17th at Bristol Motor Speedway. The Bush Beans 200 is the next Suchi Showdown event. And then the last event, that will be race number nine. The last race for the Sioux Chief Showdown is going to be at Memphis International Speedway on September the 26th, it says here. I don't know if there's going to be any changes to that right now. Let me look at my calendar for September 26th. Um, as far as I know right now, that's what's going to happen. But uh, just, just so you know, that's subject to change uh, we'll have to kind of keep our eyes out uh, at ArcaRacing.com uh, to see if there's any changes to that. But that's the way it stands right now. Okay, I was just looking at when you're talking about being a half mile track, uh, I, and I wasn't seeing anything directly linking it to the Sioux Chief Showdown. That's why I asked, um, but because we didn't have any information uh, regarding that. But uh, right, so because it's not a Sioux Chief Showdown event. Right. Okay. okay. Uh, hitting the uh, East points mentioned Sam Mayer, 13 points over Ty Gibbs as your top two listed him as the last driver there. Numerically chase Cabre is in third position, 27 points back. And these guys have run three races. Parker Retzlaff, uh, Retzlaff mentioned him three top tens in those three starts. He's 28 points back. So only a point difference there. Three more points back. Another rev racing machine in the number uh, I'm sorry, uh, Nick Sanchez is 31 points back. Max McLaughlin, 32 points. Then you get to Mason Diaz is minus 40, and Justin Carroll at minus 47. Those eight drivers have made all three starts. Got a couple that have made only two starts. Corey Heim is minus 63. Giovanni Bramani is uh, minus 66. And Taylor Gray at minus 67 is in 11th place. Now, Taylor is in the, in that race and hit one more there in 12th place. Uh, Bob Pawlowski uh, at minus 83. Taylor Gray in 11th and Bob Pawlowski in 12th are entered into this weekend's event, whereas Corey Heim and Giovanni Bramani are not. So could be some shifting in points there. Yes, indeed. With regard to the West, uh, they've had a few more races under their belt. They've already had seven races in the books. Nine of their drivers have raced all seven races. Jesse Love leads the points in the Arkham and Art Series West. He's just seven points ahead of uh, Blaine Perkins. Now, this is the uh, classic battle between Bill McAnally Racing, where Jesse Love races, and Blaine Perkins at Sunrise Ford Racing, uh, it's always been a friendly rivalry between those two organizations, and this is going to be another tight uh, points battle uh, heading into the downstretch here. Gracie Trotter from Bill McAnally Racing is in third place. She's 36 points back. And in fourth place is Trevor Huddleston from Sunrise Ford, uh, 41 points back. So, again, you've got uh, Bill McAnally and, and Sunrise Ford right together there battling for a position. In fifth place is another Bill McAnally racing car, Gio Selzy, is 43 points back, so he's just three points behind uh, Sunrise Sports' Trevor Huddleston, so he put him into that battle as well. Uh, in sixth place is Todd Souza, 
And then it's Holly Holland from uh, Bill McAnally Racing to Kuma Koga in eighth and Bobby Hillis Jr. in ninth place. All of those drivers have been in all seven races for the Arkham Menard Series West. Now, in 10th place is Jack Wood. He has five of those races in the books. Uh, he is 133 points back, so that represents the spread from 1st to 10th in that section there. So uh, a lot of these uh, guys are, are uh, really wanting that championship. Uh, Jesse Love has pretty much held that top spot uh, for most of the season, and uh, he's going to be looking to expand his points lead while Blaine Perkins is going to be looking to close up that gap. So this is going to be one to watch. Blaine Perkins has some experience at the Las Vegas Bowl Ring, so uh, it's going to be a fun battle. It most certainly is. Uh, looking forward to that. And, again, <laughs> just impressed with what NASCAR has been able to do across the board. Uh, there was some juggling going on, <laughs> some reschedules. Uh, some doubleheaders and everything else you can think of. Uh, I know for the East Series here, what they hit as far as total number, we'll have to wait and see. But what they did get in was just an amazing job by NASCAR in working with all the different tracks and different states, different regulations, just to get in anything, let alone uh, coming real close, if not hitting their mark of number of races. Okay. So are you ready now? Take it into the yep. fantasy group. <laughs> okay. All right. For the uh, trucks, we'll start there. Again, Andy, this one uh, not outdueling anybody by any means is at 55 points. Sam is one point back at 54. Owen is in third at 44. Sharon in fourth at 43. I'm in fifth at uh, 41, and that's a tie because James also has 41. And Mike sits at 31. I know we got a couple of the drivers in, got a little bit of a late start here, but I believe we're up to Owen. And I, I, I know you messaged me, so you'll hit him after the show. We'll get those in before well, the start of the race tonight. Message. I've already sent oh, him you did a message. Send him. Let me see. Yeah. Let me see if he's responded yet. Okay. I don't well, I'll start with has. Mike. He, nope. he took uh, gotcha. low, low-hanging fruit, if you will, with Sheldon Creed. Can't blame him getting first pick. Uh, would have done the same probably. And he went with David Reagan for the second week in a row. He's going to be back in a truck again this weekend at Richmond. Sharon went back to her favorite uh, coming off the win when she didn't have him at Ben Rhodes. And James went with Zane Smith. So that leaves it up to Owen and myself and Sam. We'll have to wait and see. I know a couple of the drivers obviously would have liked to have picked have gone already, so... Had to put a couple of the just-in-case on backup. Uh, it might take a wild card, take a stab in the dark, and hope for the best here as I try and make up some points. Last race of the Gander Truck Series play, uh, regular season. Next race will be in the playoffs. So got to try and make up some big points now. Yes, indeed. And that's going to be a, quite a race, I think, uh, that final race of their regular season at Richmond this weekend. So uh, I think that these guys are really going to put on a show. And just strictly points, I believe it's 10 points. I don't have it pulled up right off the top of my or my board here, but I believe it's 10 points from 10th uh, place Todd Gillen back to Derek Krause. And Tyler Ankrum also still right on the outside. And that's not factoring in somebody else winning 
from below that, and then it's a mute point as they're all going to be trying to scramble to catch the next guy in front of them. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to get into that when we do the truck series preview, just how close that is. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a, going to be a tight battle for sure. Well, our uh, Xfinity Series, this one's not quite so tight. Andy, uh, fully in control of this one, uh, 91 points. Second place is myself at 76. Uh, from there, we got uh, some competitiveness going on. Owen is in at 70. Sharon's at 65. Mike at 59. James at 56. And Sam at 52. And on that one, I think we only have, yeah, James is the only one to have come in. Doubleheader here at Richmond. He took, well, again, a low-hanging fruit, one of the two main picks, Austin Sindrick, and he's going to take them for both races. Waiting on Sam to come in. I uh, fully expect it possibly to be Chase Briscoe. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I know I'm for, I'm fourth to pick, so my hope of getting Briscoe is pretty slim. Sharon's mm-hmm. in between me there. <laughs> so she's she's guaranteeing I I don't get Chase Briscoe. If it gets to exactly. her, she can be happy. <laughs> when you said it was right, slim, so. I was agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I got I got a different plan and route. I'm going there. So. Oh, okay, good. Uh, let's see. Going to the Cup Series. This one closed up a little bit. Uh, I do lead at 127. Andy is up to 114. Sam hit the 100-point even mark. Owen's at 93. Sharon's at 83. James at 72. And Mike at 68. Now, again, there could be some huge swings here as this they are into the playoffs, so it's double bonus points for us, 14 points per race. And let's see. I believe James started us off there, took Martin Truex right off the board from the get-go. Mike took another one, obviously a favorite, Denny Hamlin, followed by Sharon with Kevin Harvick. Owen came in with Chase Elliott, which put me in a little bit of a conundrum, if you will. I I say I took a gamble. Kyle Busch at Richmond, you wouldn't necessarily think of as a gamble <laughs> as much. However, again, with the year he's had, it just hasn't been Kyle Busch-like. But I, I have more faith in him than I do in taking Johnny Sauter in the trucks. I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Oh, Johnny's going to get that win. Uh, Somewhere down the road here, he's going to get another win. I just know it. Okay. And then uh, that pretty much completes that then, right? Uh, Yep, and I can give the overall points here. I think that was the only thing I didn't hit. Oh, okay. Andy, again, you you heard Andy's name uh, at the top or right near the top of every series. So he's got a total of 260 points. I am at 244. Owen took over third spot here, moved at 207 over Sam at 206. Sharon coming up on the 200 mark at 191. James at 169 and Mike at 158. Uh, Now, again, as we hit into the playoffs, once all three series hits the playoffs, uh, 14 points per race. Again, nobody is mathematically out of it yet. So I like to see that. We, We have a lot of fun with that. Okay. Yes, we do. Okay, now let's go ahead and uh, get into the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. They are going to be racing the Toyota Care 250 at Richmond Raceway this Thursday. That's tonight uh, at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, They will have uh, 
Fox Sports 1 will have pre-race coverage starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and radio coverage also on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 187.5 miles over 250 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 70, 70 laps later, stage 2 ends on lap 140, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 250. So, uh, Jay, we've got a lot to talk about here in the uh, Cups in the Truck Series, uh, as this is their last race in the regular season. Well, the first thing we like to take a look at is always the rookie picture. And here in the Truck Series, we got a pair of rookies. Zane Smith, who is locked in with a pair of wins now, and Christian Eckes, who locked himself into the playoffs following last week's performance at Darlington based on points. They're still fighting for that Sunoco Rookie of the Year award. Smith continues to hold the top spot in the Gander Truck Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings with a 39-point lead over Eckes. But the outside of the playoff bubble holds several other Sunoco rookies looking to vault into the playoffs in their debut year in the Gander Trucks. you got Derek Krause I mentioned. He's third in the rookie Sunoco rookie standings, is sitting right below the playoff cut line, and had a career-best finish last weekend at Darlington of third. Now, there's a few ways for Krause to make it into the playoffs. One would obviously be with a win, but he could also clinch with help if there's a repeat or no new winner. Raphael Lassard, he made a jump in points, is now right behind Krause in fourth in the rookie standings, twelfth in the playoff standings, fellow rookie Krause. Now, this is just looking at the rookie points. Zane Smith has 544. Christian Eckes, 505. Eric Krause has 433. Raphael Lassard, 377. Another couple we mentioned here, Tanner Gray at 350. Ty Majeski at 299, and I don't believe he has another ride. We talked about that on Monday. He is out of the Nice Motorsports, so I don't know if he has another ride or not. Uh, Tate Fogelman is at 219. And then Spencer Davis at 188. And one last note there to make before we shift up. For the rookies, again, once the playoff starts, those points are reseeded. So for a rookie to be in contention for Rookie of the Year, they have to get into the playoffs to join Christian Eckes and Zane Smith to continue being eligible. Exactly. So uh, it's going to be, again, fun to watch. Just to give you a picture of what the uh, points look like, there are six drivers who have clinched uh, based on wins. Uh, Sheldon Creed has the most wins, three. Then you've got a couple of drivers, Zane Smith, the rookie, as well as Grant Dinfinger, uh, a previous champion, both with two victories. And three drivers have one victory. They include Austin Hill, Ben Rhodes, and Matt Crafton. Now, the drivers that are kind of on that bubble, uh, but they're still on top of the line, they include Brett Moffat at 562 points, Christian Eckes, a rookie, at 505 points, Tyler Ankram at 447 points, and Todd Gilliland at 433 points. What's interesting here, though, is that Todd Gilliland at 443 points is above the cutoff line, which is 10th place, and then just below that cutoff line, also at 433 points, is the rookie, Derek Krause. So even though those guys are tied, 
um, they their the their performance uh, and stage wins is made the difference over who's above and who's below. Another rookie in 12th place at 377 points is Rafael Lassard. And then another rookie, Tanner Gray, uh, in 13th spot at 350 points. Then there's a couple of uh, veterans. You've got Stuart Friesen at 343 uh, and Johnny Sauter at 318. Now, Johnny does have uh, some stage wins in in one playoff point, but he's definitely going to need a win. And we'll talk about those clinch scenarios here. Um, it's the last chance for these drivers to uh, clinch their place into the playoffs. Uh, now, there, if there is a new winner, uh, the following drivers could clinch by being ahead of the fourth winless driver in the standings. So that fourth winless driver in the standings, let me just kind of go over that again, is uh, Todd Gilliland, who's in that uh uh, playoff cutoff line uh, tied with Tyler Ankrum. Okay, so Tyler Ankrum would clinch with 52 points. Todd Gilliland can only clinch with some help, meaning either somebody's got to have a bad day <laughs> or he's going to have to go out and get a win. Uh, Derek Krause can clinch only with some help, too, and that also means that he also really needs a win in order to get in. Um if there is a repeat winner, the following drivers, uh, well, they can't clinch with a win if there's a new winner, unless they are the new winner. <laughs> but uh, anyway, if there is a repeat winner, the following drivers can clinch by being ahead of the fifth winless driver in the standings. Uh, the fifth winless driver is actually Derek Krause in that 11th spot. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Um, they would also clinch if there is a new winner among Brett Moffitt, Christian Eckes, Tyler Ingram, or Todd Gilliland, and being ahead of the fourth winless driver in the standings, which right now is Todd Gilliland. Tyler Ingram would clinch with 42 points if there's a repeat winner. Todd Gilliland needs 46 points, and Derek Krause can only clinch with help. Uh, meaning pretty much he needs a win in order to get in. And uh, it's going to be uh, a battle, I think, all night long at Richmond to see what happens here. Now, these guys can clinch with a win. The following drivers would clinch on a win alone. That's Tyler Ankrum, Todd Gilliland, Derek Krause, Raphael Assard, Tanner Gray, Stuart Friesen, Johnny Sauter, Ty Majeski, Austin Wayne Self, and Tate Fogelman. Now, the following drivers could clinch with a win and clinching a top 20 position. Uh, Jordan uh, Jordan Answer, Anderson would clinch with 47 points, and Spencer Boyd can clinch with 48 points. Uh, and additionally, Austin Hill could clinch the regular season championship on his own with just 23 points. I want to check here to see if uh, Todd Gillow, not Todd, but Ty Majeski is in this race, uh, maybe with a different team other than uh, Nice Motorsports, because it was announced earlier that he would not be racing with uh, um, Nice Motorsports. And I'm scanning through the 
entry list here, Jay, and I do not see Ty Majewski on this entry list anywhere. So uh, it's pretty much over, I think, for Ty. Yeah, I had not seen where he had made any kind of announcement that he would be uh, in the race then with a different team. And we talked about that on our Hot Topics on Tuesday night, I guess it was. Uh, not Monday night, but Tuesday night. Uh, unfortunate situation, Trevor Bain coming into that truck. Uh, direction they have decided to go. Uh, we hope the best for Trevor Bain, but again, very unfortunate for Ty Majeski here as he was battling for the Rookie of the Year uh, contention. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you definitely want to tune in for this race. Again, that race is tonight on Fox Sports 1 and uh, starts at 8 p.m., Eastern time for the truck series at Richmond. Uh, an unusual night for them to be racing, uh, but uh, we always like those midweek races, and uh, that's why we're doing the podcast uh, during the day today. You're right. You definitely want to tune in. Is It is the finale. Again, they head to Richmond Raceway for some Thursday night trucking under the lights for this regular season finale. Now, the Gander trucks haven't visited Richmond Raceway since 2005, and that was when Mike Skinner, uh, the gunslinger, took home the victory. This will mark the 12th Gander Truck Series race at the track, but the first one in those f- in 15 years. Now, there's only two drivers entered into this weekend with experience at Richmond, and they are the reigning series champion Matt Crafton and his Thor Sport veteran teammate Johnny Sauter. Crafton has five starts at the track with one top 10, and Sauter has three starts with one top 10. Now, Austin Hill will start on the pole on Thursday night with Ben Rhodes joining him on the front row. And there have been eight different winners in the 11 races, but it seems that Thursday night's race will be a wild card for the series, as most drivers have no experience at the track. However, the regular season champion crown is not much of a wild card as Hill again only needs those 23 points to clinch that title. And the top 10 there with bonus points will be awarded for that when they do the reseeding. Now backing up here, Ben Rhodes was victorious for the first time since 2018 following last weekend at Darlington, punching his ticket to the NASCAR playoffs. And Brett Moffitt clinched his spots in the playoff on points as he only needed seven points upon entering the race. So, again, we talked about that of where they're sitting and what they need now. Um, again, going to be really interesting. I love it. There's so many storylines. We're going to see those three, Tyler Ankrum, Todd Gilliland, and Derek Krause, battling for position extremely because, again, points may matter if a winner outside those top 12 spots or top 11 gets in, then it's down to only one of them. Otherwise, it's two. So that's going to be a battle. Talking about the battle of possibly the regular season champion, Austin Hill, what he needs to do, and then just somebody else getting that win, uh, giving them momentum moving forward into the playoffs. Okay. Now, we do have – I didn't play it earlier. We do have some audio here since we have some time. I'll go ahead and play it now. Uh, From Haley Deegan, who is driving that number four DGR Crosley Ford uh, for the Arkham Menard series. So we'll hear what she has to say. And then there's a big long segment here uh, that includes uh, several of the uh, truck series drivers 
uh, that we'll be racing uh, tonight, and we'll we'll try to listen to as much as we can of that. Um, in fact, why don't I start with that, and we'll see how far we can get uh, without running out of time here, and then I'll play a little bit of Haley Deacons if we have time. Okay, All so right. this is the uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series drivers. Austin Hill driving the number 16 for Hattori Racing. Christian Eckes in the 18 for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Derek Krauss in the 19 for the McAnally Hilgeman Racing Toyota. Raphael Lassard in the number four for Kyle Busch. Stuart Friesen in the number 52 for Halmar Friesen Racing Toyota. These are the drivers that are represented in this audio. Any experience in Richmond at all? Uh, I know the, the truck series has not been here well before any of you started driving. And if you don't have experience, how are you guys preparing for, uh, and how do you prepare for a brand new track in competition? Who's going first? Uh, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, so yeah, uh, right. And uh, we actually won that race back in 2015. So, uh, I had a lot of fun um, in that race track. Um, we ran it very well there in the past. And so, no alley truck experience, obviously, but, um, you know, it's just watching the film, watching the cup drivers, and making our and stuff like that. Uh, just beginning to spin as much as we can. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, everybody in here can.
at least we can learn from it. Perfect. And then I think I saw uh, Derek Krause and Stuart Friesen have both joined us as well. Um, gentleman Lane uh, from Richmond had asked about you guys uh, going to Richmond for the first time. Um, if you have any experience or how you're gaining experience uh, to yeah. race there this weekend. So, um, Stuart, I don't know if uh, if you want to take that one, and then uh, Derek will let you take it after that. Stuart? <laughs> Stuart, you might be on mute. Can you hear me now? Now we've got you. Go ahead. Okay. Sounds good. Um, yeah, no, another new track for us. Uh, Darlington was a lot of fun last week, and, um, you know, just as a race team, we're just trying to get better. And, um, you know, that comes from preparation at the shop. You know, we've uh, been pretty good at the end of races. Um, and it's been, been pretty consistent across the board all season. So uh, we're just trying to get our, our, you know, simulation and all the simulator work that we've done to correlate that to, uh, you know, our real-life setups. And um, that's been a little bit of a struggle uh, for the team the last, you know, bunch of races. Uh, I think we found some stuff after Darlington that uh, point us, uh, point us in kind of a direction on where we're making mistakes. So uh, hopefully we can we can apply that and um, you know be better at Richmond. Thanks, Stuart and Derek. I'll let you round out round them out. Uh, yeah, just the simulator has been helping me a lot with going to these racetracks that I've never been to before. Uh, I actually just got done off of it now for for Richmond. I feel like we got a pretty good starting base and. Uh, if it's off a little bit, we can adjust for it during the race, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good run and make our way into the playoffs. Okay. Any thoughts about the comments from the drivers about their experience at Richmond, Jay? Jay, are you on mute? Jay, are you there? Okay, I think he might have had to call back in. Uh, yep, I, I did. Okay. Somehow, somehow there, I got. Yep, somehow there, uh, <laughs> when the audio kicked on, mine got kicked off. I called back in, so I was like, "Mine's not on mute." But I was like, "If you didn't notice that, I was like, you probably got to unmute me." So. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I finally one, realized uh, when I didn't hear. The one consistent thing I heard there, you heard him talking about it, and we mentioned it. There's only two drivers with experience at Richmond. Everybody's in that same boat. You know, it's not just about the rookies uh, in this case. Everybody's got that lack of experience. So you heard it, simulator, hoping for the best, yo, based off of other notes. Uh, that's the consistent thing I heard from each and every driver. So definitely going to be an interesting race as, again, all but two drivers had, or don't have experience. So uh, that could make for an additional interesting uh, part of the race. Yes, indeed. But we've seen these guys uh, come to tracks for the very first time and do very, very well. Uh, I say I hear a lot of drivers saying they're, they're doing some sim driving uh, prior to these events so that they can get some experience on the track. And in some cases, the sim driving uh, really, really helps quite a bit. And in other cases, uh, not as much. But it sounds like a lot of these drivers were using the sim in order to get some experience, especially at tracks that they have no experience at. Okay. Right. Now, go As ahead, said, no, we've heard We've heard from a couple of different drivers most recently uh, on Tuesday night shows. Joe Graff Jr. talked about that. Yes. There are certainly some things that does help, some visual things. The feel and what each track, the, the bumps and little nuances, 
yeah, it's still going to be once you get on the track, the seat of the pants feel. Um, but there are definitely some things. Uh, and I, when I think of Richmond, not having driven it, but and it's not quite the simulator <laughs> they're using, but playing it on a video game. Uh, Richmond is one of those, the, the what they call a rhythm track. of a, When you talk about short track, getting into a rhythm. And I think even through a, a gaming system of any kind, you can kind of get that feel for it. So I think that'll be a big factor. Again, the exact points on the track, that'll be depending on how their tra- track or truck is handling, as well as the exact grooves or whatever's on the track, that, that feel of the pants. Yes, indeed. Okay, so let's uh, now move on. Uh, before we move on to the Xfinity series, uh, let's take a – well, we've kind of run out of time now, so I guess we don't have time to do that. Uh, let's go ahead now and move on to the Xfinity series. If I have time when we finish the Xfinity and the Cup series, we'll come back to Haley Deegan's uh, comments. Okay, the Xfinity Series is racing a double header this weekend at uh, Richmond Raceway, and uh, it will start on Friday, September the 11th, in the Gold Bowling 250, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network, uh, with pre-race coverage starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, they'll be racing a distance in both of these races. Uh, they'll be racing a distance of 187.5 miles over 250 laps. The stages are the same, 75 laps each in Stage 1 and Stage 2. And then, of course, the last stage ends on the last lap, uh, and that will be 100 laps. So... Um, The second race for the Xfinity Series will take place on Saturday, September the 12th. That race is the Virginia is for Racing Lovers 250, and that starts at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. On NBC Sports Network, the pre-race coverage starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, radio coverage again on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio, and I've already covered the stage length and uh, and the race length and stage uh, lap. So let's go ahead and get into the Xfinity Series, Jay. All right, we'll take a look at the rookies here. Harrison Burton is dominating there, while Riley Herbst is fighting for a playoff spot. Harrison Burton is still holding on to that Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings with a 183-point now, lead now over Riley Herbst. Burton is the only rookie who is locked into the playoffs by a virtue of win, as he has two on the season, coming back at Auto Club in Miami early in the season. Now, Herbst is in the 10th place in the playoff outlook, a solid 159 points ahead of the cutoff. Of note, when the playoffs begin, the driver points in the playoffs will be reset to 2,000 points with their playoff points then added on, which will bring the Snoko Rookie of the Year standings much closer together. But to be in it, you've got to be into those playoffs. So Jesse Little currently in third in the Snoko Rookie of the Year standings. He's looking for his first top five of the season. His season best finish came at Pocono, where he finished 10th. At Dover, he finished 23rd in both races. Now, Little, Myatt Schneider, and Cody Vanderwall obviously will all be making their debuts at Richmond while Burton, Herps, and Graf each have one previous start to their name. 
take a total look at it here. Again, Harrison Burton, 789 points, has earned 14 of the awards so far this year. Riley Herbst, 606 points, has picked up six awards. Jesse Little at 403 points has picked up one award. Our guest uh, from Tuesday night, Joe Graff Jr., is at 300 points. Myatt Schneider, 289, has one award. And then Cody Vanderwall at 156. All right. Uh, let's do a little reminiscing on Richmond. Now, Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick have dominated the Xfinity Series this season. Uh, with a combined between the two of them, they have 11 wins in 23 races. So Briscoe will be making his fourth start at Richmond while Cindric is making his fifth. Cindric has three top fives, three top tens, and one pole award to his name, while Briscoe has one top five and two top tens. But if Justin Algauer, who has the most experience of all the playoff contending drivers at Richmond with 18 starts, uh, so he's uh, he's kind of the guy with the most experience here. He has five top fives. He has eight top tens in those 18 starts. Nor Gregson, Algauer's junior motorsports teammate, is making his fourth Xfinity Series start at Richmond on Friday. And their teammate, Michael Annette, who has clinched a playoff spot on points, is making his 16th start at Richmond and has one top five and four top tens to his name. Now, the Sunoco Rookie of the Year contender, Harrison Burton, again, he's making his second start at the track. His first was just last season, and in that race he started sixth, and he finished sixth for Joe Gibbs Racing. His teammate, Brandon Jones, is making his ninth start at the Virginia track, and he was last week's winner. Justin Haley, a two-time winner this season, is making his third start at Richmond, and his teammate Ross Chastain, who's not yet won a race this season but has clinched his spot into the playoffs last week at Darlington, is making his eighth start. And while all those drivers are locked into the playoffs by virtue of wins or points so far this season, there are several drivers around that bubble that are fighting for their playoff lives on Friday and Saturday with hopes of clinching their spot. Keep in mind, there's these two races and one more race left at Bristol in their regular season. Now, Brandon Jones, who currently occupies the 12th and final slot on the playoff grid, has made six starts at Richmond, but only has a best finish of 19th. That was in 2018, with an average finish of 25.7. Now, Ryan Sieg is 11th on the grid. He has 12 starts at Richmond with an average finish of 19.9. His best finish was a fifth, and his only that was his only top 10 at the track. That came at the first Richmond race last year. Now, Riley Earps, who's 10th on the grid, made his track debut last season starting from the pole and coming home with a ninth-place finish. Meanwhile, Jeremy Clements, who's 13th, one spot outside the playoff grid, has 19 starts at Richmond. His best finish is 8th, coming in 2018. He also has an average finish of 22.5. Mike Snyder, who's 14th on the grid, is making his track series debut on Friday evening. So, uh, again, we'll see if the simulator is going to help him out uh, at Richmond Friday and Saturday. 
All right. Okay. Now we're going to take a look. At, yep. Oh, did I mute myself? No. Okay. I was making sure I didn't mute myself that time. Uh, time ticking away. Oh, let me see. Nope. I think I missed a section here. Okay. Taking a look at the Richmond Raceway clinch scenarios with three races remaining, two of them being this double header here at Richmond International Raceway which is now just Richmond Raceway. I apologize. It's been a while since the eye's been in there. Uh, with just those three races left in the regular season, two of them being this weekend at Richmond Raceway, time is running short for these drivers not locked into the playoffs to, to secure their spot going into the postseason. Eight drivers have already clinched a spot in the 12-driver postseason field. And that includes Austin Sendrick, Chase Briscoe, Noah Gregson, Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, Justin Algar, Brandon Jones, and Ross Chastain. Now, the first scenario to look at is a clinch via points. If there is a new winner, the following driver could clinch, being just 111 points above the third winless driver in the standings, and that's Mike Lynette, and again, can only clinch with help. Now, if there's a repeat winner, the following driver would, be, would need to be 111 points above that fourth winless driver in the standings, and also clinch if there is a new winner among either Ross Chastain or Riley Herbst and being 111 above the third winless driver in the standings. And that's Michael Annette if he are at 35 points. Uh, clinching with just the win, that would include Michael Annette, Riley Herbst, Ryan Sieg, Brandon Brown, or Jeremy Clements. The other drivers that can clinch with a win and have to clinch a top 20 position would be Myatt Schneider. He'd have to have that win along with 41 points above the 20th place spot. Josh Williams, Jesse Little, and Alex LeBay can only get that win and need a little bit of help when it comes to the points. When we take a look at it, we've covered the top guys here as, as their points right now. This would not be the reseeding. Uh, Chase Briscoe is set with th 35 playoff points. Austin Sindrick, 34. Brandon Jones has 17, Noah Gregson at 18, Harrison Burton 10, Justin Haley 13, Justin Algar 13, and Ross Chastain with one. So that kind of gives you a layout. I don't know why they have Noah Gregson and Brandon Jones reversed, but that is how the points would reseat them one through eight. Uh, Michael Annette's ninth at 698 points, Riley Herbst at 606 in 10th. Neither one of them have any playoff points to add to their total once they reset. Ryan Sieg in 11th at 567 does have two playoff points to add to it when he locks in if he does. And then Brandon, bon Brandon Brown is that 12th and final spot at 492. Again, doesn't have any playoff points to add to his total then. Now 13th, 45 points back is Jeremy Clements. Myatt Schneider in 14th is 51 back. Josh Williams and Jesse Little, they're at 84 and 89 back, respectively. So expect the battle for the final spot in these playoffs to stay close. This weekend at Richmond, it says Darlington, but it should be at Richmond, with drivers on the playoff brothers bubble share very similar average finishes. Ryan Sieg is a 19.9. Jeremy Clements, 22.4. Josh Williams, 23.0. Brandon Brown is a 25.7. Myatt Snyder and Jesse Little, again, making their first start at Richmond. 
All right, Sharon. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. She might uh, be having to call back in and, and plug back in. Start uh, up here okay, and tell you, you time again. We've met. Yep, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Okay, um, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, as we mentioned earlier, uh, time is ticking away for the Xfinity Series playoffs. They're embarking on another doubleheader this weekend at Richmond Raceway starting on Friday in the Gold Bowl in 250. And then following Friday's race, they'll have another race on Saturday in the Virginias for Racing Lovers 250. Now, this is marking the fourth doubleheader weekend for the Xfinity Series since the COVID-19 pandemic's return to racing. Now, this is also the last stretch for the Xfinity Series drivers to make their way into the playoffs with a doubleheader this weekend and the regular season finale at Bristol Motor Speedway next weekend. Now, the playoffs kick off for the series the following week at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Ross Chastain in the number 10 for Colleague Racing Chevrolet will lead the field to green on Friday evening with last week's race winner, Brandon Jones, in the number 19 for Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Uh, Now, they'll both be on the front row. The race, again, is 187.5 miles and 250 laps. In 2019, Cole Custer won the first Xfinity Series race, at Richmond, and Christopher Bell won the second. Austin Sendrick finished both of those races in second place. Denny Hamlin right now holds the race record at Richmond for the series at 108.415 miles per hour, and he did that in 2011. Kyle Busch holds the qualifying record at 129.348 miles per hour, and that was in 2004. 15 of 72 Xfinity Series races run at the track were won from the pole. Kevin Harvick holds the track record for the most wins. He has seven. He also has the most top fives at 18 and the most top tens with 21. Joe Gibbs has the most wins of any car owner with 10 at Richmond Raceway. So, again, we've got a lot to look forward to here with these guys. Uh, And now... Uh, we're going to move on to the Cup Series at Richmond. They're racing the Federated Auto Parts 400 on Saturday, September the 12th. That will be after the Xfinity race at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time and pre-race coverage starting at 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Network and MRN Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 300 miles over 400 laps. Uh, the first stage ends on lap 80, the second stage ends on lap 235, and the final stage ends on lap 400, the last lap of the race. So uh, let's uh, hear about the rookies in the Cup Series, Jay. Do we have a rookie section on this one? I know because we're kind of covering the... uh... Oh, this is the Uh, cutoff. Yeah, let's go ahead and... Let's uh, talk about the uh, drivers uh, that are, and we can share this if you want. It's a pretty long segment. All right. Uh, we'll go, we'll drivers, go every other yeah. one. 
All right. You want to start at the uh, bottom? Or? Quick... Okay. I will. Uh, what we're going to look at here is the top 16 driver updates and performances as at, at Richmond uh, as they come off some shuffling following Darlington Raceway, some for the positive and some for the negative. I'll tell you this, the three biggest movers in the right direction of the playoff points positions following Darlington were the Bush brothers and Alex Bowman. Uh, Kyle and Kurt Bush both moved up four spots in the standings from the previous week to 10th and 11th, respectively, and Bowman jumped three spots from 8th to 5th. But the playoff driver who took the biggest hits in the points at Darlington was Team Penske's Ryan Blaney, who I'll start with here in a minute. As his number 12 Ford failed pre-race inspection for an unimproved ballast that incurred a points penalty of 10 points, and then he finished 24th in the race, uh, last amongst the playoff contenders, and as a result, fell nine spots in the playoff standings from 7th to 16th. So now we'll scroll down to where he's at. These are the four that are below the cutoff line right now. Again, Ryan Blaney, unfortunately, failed that pre-race inspection and incurred that points penalty, as well as the 24th place finish at Darlington, now finds himself sitting in the 16th in the playoff standings with 2,016 points. Now, Blaney has made nine starts at Richmond, hosting a best finish of 17th, and that was in the playoff race last season. Next uh, in line here is Matt DiBenedetto. He finished 21st at Darlington, but he did manage to move up a spot in points due to having a, the tiebreaker of a better finish in this round with Ryan Blaney, who is 16th. Now, DiBenedetto lands in Richmond with 2016 points, the same as Blaney, and 17 markers behind the round of 12 cutoff line. Now, DiBenedetto has made 11 starts at posting a best finish of 14th in this race just last season. Next up is one of our rookies, and he, he is the rookie of the year, uh, Cole Custer. As he finished 12th last weekend at Darlington, now finds himself 14th in the Cup Series standings with 2,030 points. Again, Custer is the lone Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate to make the playoffs this season and is three points back from the round of 12 cutoff. Custer has made two series starts at Richmond, posting a best finish of 26 in this race last season. But the Californian does have a victory in the NASCAR Xfinity Series here at the .7-mile track, which came in 2019. Now, we do have another tie here at the cutoff line with Clint Boyer and Eric Almarola literally tied in points. But the tiebreaker of best finishes goes to Almarola, so he's above the cutoff line, while Boyer sits outside the round of 12 cutoff in 13th. Uh, now, he has 2,033 points. He looks to Richmond to rebound, having made 29 starts at the three-quarter mile track, posting two wins five top fives, and 16 top tens. That's not too shabby. Well, on the other side of that tie is Eric Almarola and is on the round of 16 hot seat, again in 12th, the final transfer to the round of 12, but is tied with points in, with tied in points with Clint Boyer, that first spot outside. Again, they're sitting at 2,033. Uh, he holds that tiebreaker best finishes in the current playoff round right now with the ninth place finish to Boyer's 10th, uh, which came at Darlington. Again, we talk about one point, one position everywhere we're looking. 
Uh, the driver here from Tampa, Florida, has made 17 starts at Richmond, posting two f- top fives and five top tens. Next up are the Bush brothers. I'll start with Kurt Bush. He also grabbed a top ten finish at Darlington, and as a result, he jumped up four spots in the playoff standings to 11th place with 2,037 points. Bush needs to continue to gather points as he is only four points up on round of the round of 12 cutoff. Richmond is one of Bush's better tracks. In 39 starts, he does have two wins, seven top fives, and 15 top tens. Well, and you mentioned this. These two seem to be following each other. I'll move up to Kyle Bush. Uh, he is the defending NASCAR Cup Series champion, currently ranked 10th in the playoff standings after moving up four spots following her top 10 finish at Darlington. Now the two-time series champ is seven points to the good of the round of 12 cutoff line and rolls into Richmond Raceway, the series leader and wins at the .75-mile track, which is six. Bush has yet to win this season, which is the longest into a season he has gone without tasting the spoils of victory lane. But in total... Bush has made 30 series starts at Richmond, putting up six wins, 18 top fives, and 22 top tens. We already know Joe Gibbs Racing holds the record at 10 wins for the tra- or for the owner. Yep, those are not shabby results. William Byron pulled out of a top five finish last weekend at Darlington, and, became, and because of it, he maintained his ninth place position in the Cup Series playoffs with 2,042 points. Byron is nine points ahead of the round of 12 cutoff line heading into Richmond this weekend. Now, he's made five series starts at Richmond. He's posted his best finish of 12th in 2018. That was the spring race of that year. Impressive at Darlington. That was Austin Dillon there at Darlington Raceway finishing runner-up to Kevin Harvick in the playoffs opener. The strong run jumped Dillon up two spots in the uh, NASCAR Cup Series playoff standings from 10th to 8th with 2,043. And with two races left in the round of 16, Dillon is 10 points up on that round of 12 cutoff. The North Carolina native also heads to Richmond this weekend, having made 13 series starts, posting two top 10s. Okay. Uh, Next up, we have Chase Elliott, who dropped two spots in the playoff standings after tangling with Martin Truex Jr. as the two raced for the lead at Darlington. Elliott ultimately finished in 20th position in the postseason opener and is now 7th in the playoff point standings with 2,045 points. Turning to Richmond, Elliott's made 10 starts, getting two top fives and three top tens. All right, then we got okay. Martin Truex Jr. Now, he collided with Elliot, uh, Chase Elliott. Excuse me. Uh, Chase Elliott, while battling for the lead late in that playoff opener at Darlington, and as a result, he finished 22nd in the race, but maintained his sixth position in the playoff standings with 2,049 points. Now, Truex is a mere 16 points ahead of the round of 12 cutoff, but if Truex was looking for a track to rebound, Richmond Raceway just might be it. The New Jersey native swept both Richmond races last year and is the defending winner of the playoff event this weekend. 
In total, Truex has made 29 starts, posting those two wins, five top fives, and 11 top tens. Okay, next up is Alex Bowman, who flew into the top five of the playoff standings. He went up three spots to now fifth with 2,052 points. The driver of the number 88 Chevrolet is just 19 points up on the round of 12 cutoff line, and Bowman is going to have his work cut out for him this weekend at Richmond, a track that he's made nine starts, posting a best finish of 12th in the playoff race of 2018. All right, we're up to Brad Keselowski. Now, he did drop one spot from last week in the Cup Series playoffs to fourth, with 2,055 points. Keselowski is 22 points above the round of 12 cutoff, and heading to Richmond, Brad has made 22 starts at the .75-mile track, posting one win, five top fives, and 11 top tens. Now, Joey Logano was able to leapfrog his Team Penske teammate, Brad Keselowski, in the standings after Darlington. He now sits third in the Cup Series playoff points at 2,060. Logano is 27 points ahead of the round of 12 cutoff, and he's looking into Richmond. Logano's made 23 starts, collecting two wins, nine top fives, and 12 top tens. 12 cutoff is Denny Hamlin, and he sits in second in the Cup Series playoff standings with 2,087 points. Following Darlington, Hamlin is a comfortable 54 points ahead of that round of 12 cutoff line, and he heads back to his home track, Richmond Raceway, this weekend looking to get his first playoff win of 2020. Hamlin has made 28 starts at Richmond, putting up three wins, 13 top fives, and 17 top tens. Okay, we know one driver who's moving on to the next round, and that's Kevin Harvick, who leads the Cup Series playoff standings with 21 and 6 points, uh, 2106 points. Harvick clinched his spot into the round of 12 with his victory last weekend at Darlington, and now he turns his attention to Richmond this week, a track where he's made 39 starts, posting three wins, 15 top fives, 25 top tens, which is the series most. All right, next up, we're going to look at, scroll all the way back up here, uh, clinching, who needs what to move on here in the postseason. We already know Kevin Harvick has done that already, but the round of 16 underway, Harvick being the only one to clinch his spot into the in the round of 12 with the victory last weekend at Darlington, to kick off these 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. The 11 other spots are up for grabs with this weekend's action at Richmond Raceway. And behind Harvick, if there is a new winner, these drivers can clinch via points. If there's a new winner, the following drivers would clinch by being 56 points above the 10th winless driver in the standings. That would start with Denny Hamlin, who would uh, clinch with 45 points. Uh, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, William Byron, excuse me, Kyle Busch can only clinch with a little bit more help. If there's a repeat winner, the following drivers would clinch by being 56 points above the 11th uh, 11th winless driver in the standings. 
and could also clinch if there was a new winner amongst Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Martin Truex, Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, William Byron, Kyle Busch, or Kurt Busch, as long as they are that 56 points above the 10th winless driver in the standings. Denny Hamlin, uh, again, would only need 40 points then to clinch. Logano, Keselowski, Bowman, Truex, Elliott, Dillon, Byron, and the two Bush brothers would, could only clinch with a little bit of help. Uh, any of the 15 remaining playoff drivers without a win in the round of 16 obviously clinch their way in on a win alone, and that would include the ones we've already talked about, but also those right at the cut line, Eric Almarola, Clint Boyer, and then the ones below of Cole Custer, Matt DiBenedetto, and Ryan Blaney. Okay, so this is going to get interesting, no doubt about it. Now, it's a wild playoff opener that raises the stakes at Richmond Raceway this weekend. In the NASCAR Cup Series 2020 playoff opener, the fans enjoyed some wild racing that saw Martin Truex Jr. and Chase Elliott wreck while battling for the lead. As a result, the race win fell to Kevin Harvick, giving him the series' leading eighth victory of the season. All that action paved the way for Saturday night's Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond Raceway. Now, the 2020 season marks the third time in NASCAR Cup Series playoff history uh, that the second race has been held at Richmond. That was in 2018-20. At the three-quarter mile track located in Richmond, Virginia, is the third track in series history to host the second race of the playoffs, joining Dover International Speedway, 2004 and 2010, and New Hampshire Motor Speedway from 2011 to 2017. Prior to 2018, Richmond Raceway was the regular season finale for the Cup Series from 2004 to 2017. A total of 12 drivers have won the second race of the playoffs from 2004 to 19, led by Hendrick Motorsports driver Jimmy Johnson, who has three wins, 2005, 9, and 10, followed by Kyle Busch, 2017 and 18, Matt Kenseth, 2013 and 15, them with two victories apiece. No non-playoff driver has ever won the second playoff race in the NASCAR Cup Series. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, looking at uh, drivers who have won this particular playoff race at Richmond, uh, well, let's start with Dover. I'm going to start at the list of the bottom of this list. At Dover, the winners uh, from 2004 to 2010 are Ryan Newman, Jimmy Johnson with three, Jeff Burton, Carl Edwards, and Greg Biffle. At Loudon, from 2011 until 2017, you've got uh, Tony Stewart, Denny Hamlin, uh, Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano, uh, another one for Matt Kenseth, Kevin Harvick, and then two wins. Uh, well, one win for Kyle Busch at Loudon, and one win for Kyle Busch at Richmond, with Martin Truex being the other Richmond driver uh, in just last year's race. So, uh, pretty interesting stuff there as we head into uh, these playoffs, Jay. It's uh, certainly going to be, again, so many different storylines, uh, not just about the race itself and who wins, but it's where some of these drivers finish. 
you know, we're going to have to watch that cutoff line. Uh, Blaney having to dig himself out of the hole he's in, as well as then again, Kyle Busch, we mentioned that, kind of mid-pack, needs to advance and sitting okay, but it's not the Kyle Busch we've seen. So whether or not he can start to get on track and catch fire at the right time and make another run at the championship final four. Okay, well, we do have some pre-race audio here from two of the Cup Series drivers. That includes Matt DiBenedetto, driver of the number 21 for Woods Brothers Racing Ford, and Kyle Busch, the number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Uh, Since you mentioned Kyle Busch there, let's go ahead and hear what he has to say coming into Richmond this weekend. Thank you. Um, Kyle, um, obviously you've worked with Jacob uh, before as, as your crew chief and worked with them this season, the Xfinity Series. I know you have him this weekend again. Uh, I'm curious in the situation for Saturday night, uh, do you have to talk a little bit differently or describe things a little differently on the radio because you don't have as much experience with Jacob? Or can you say the same things because obviously Adam's listening in and if he needs to, he can kind of decipher and kind of sort things out uh, for you guys? Yeah, I'm not sure um, with technology today and the war room and all that stuff at Joe Gibbs Racing with uh, the communications and all of that stuff that we have going on right now that much is going to be different at all, um, really, based off of, you know, Adam being at the track or not being at the track. I mean, especially with no practice and none of that stuff, basically just calling a race. I mean, that's the only thing that, you know, sometimes Adam would see is essentially the car going down the front straightaway, you know, by him, but, um, you know, there's... There's no seeing the car on top of the truck or seeing what it does on that. You know, they're still going to have the same photos available to them, the TV coverage available to them. So uh, I don't know that it's really going to be all that much different. Like my, me talking on the radio is basically talking directly to Adam. It's just I can't hear back from Adam. That'll be all, um, you know, coming information coming back to me will be from Jacob. So um, I, I don't, I don't foresee it being a whole lot different. Obviously, uh, the car back at the shop is is all set up by Adam and everything else. It's just uh, a guy on top of the box. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Tim with the Richmond Times. Go ahead, Tim. Good afternoon, Kyle. I hope you're doing well. Um, Since you didn't run here in the spring with a downforce package, what are the challenges um, with running this time? Um, You know, it's it's not going to be as what it was last year. Uh, I think it's going to be more reminiscent to maybe 2017 or 2018 as far as downforce package and, and the way the cars feel and such like that. But I'm sure um, with the tire upgrades that have been going on from Goodyear over the last year or two, um, the tires are certainly going to react different. So the downforce level is not going to necessarily feel exactly the same. But, um, you know, you're going to look at your notes from uh, 17, 18 and kind of look and see what – things uh, you did or didn't do well in, in that time period, and start from there. Thank you. Okay, so there we have uh, comments from Kyle Bush. Any uh, feedback from you, Jay, with regard to what Kyle Bush had to say? Well, I think it goes to with what our hot topic and our opinions here at Fan for Racing was, taking away the crew chief really doesn't mean much, so... Uh, I'm sure Kyle is not asking for a stiffer penalty uh, in the future if something were to happen, but (laughs) he said it. Uh, You know, it's really not a penalty in this day and age. So uh, I think NASCAR does need to look at that. 
Um, you know, he, he obviously has no fear about it. I, I do like his confidence again coming into Richmond, uh, hopefully turn his season around here. And it's not been a horrible season, but it's not been his typical season. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, we did talk about this on Hot Topics on Tuesday night. If anybody wants to go back and listen to that segment, uh, he, he kind of echoed a lot of what our comments are from that show. And uh, so I think we pretty much called it, Jay. Okay. Now, I also have audio here from uh, Matt DiBenedetto. So let's hear what he has to say going into Richmond this weekend. I do believe that's coming up momentarily here. <laughs> All right. Matt, can you hear us? There we go. Now I'm unmuted. I got you. Good deal. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. All right. We're going to roll straight into questions. So we're going to take our first question from Dustin Albino. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, Matt, thanks for your time today. Uh, curious, how does your game plan kind of change for the next two races after Darlington? Oh, man, it's just we have to really perform at our very best for the for the next two races. Uh, we put ourselves behind the eight ball at Darlington, had a, a big struggle of a race, um, and it didn't show it. We finally got our car actually driving uh, okay at the end of that thing. Um, it could have salvaged a, a you know, decent finish, uh, okay day, and a, ca- a poorly timed caution. Um, you know, really, really hurt us there points-wise. So uh, that just put us behind. But, um, yeah, luckily we've got a couple, two short tracks coming up, so we're just going to have to perform at our very best, hope that we can uh, you know, stay up front uh, really all day long. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Alex with the Charlotte Observer. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, Matt, thanks for your time. Um, I, I'm wondering kind of, you know, you switching to a new team and working with a new crew chief this year, um, how how much do you feel like that has either hurt you or how important is it to sort of have a longstanding relationship with your crew chief in this era where maybe you can't meet as much with your team in person? Yeah, you know, I think um, that we've, we've had a lot to work on together uh, this year to, to get better. Um, things like that, and being a new group working together, and with the variables that 2020 have thrown in the mix, that that definitely hasn't made it um, easier. So we've got to work really hard on our communication um, to to maximize, you know, what we what we have. I'd say, uh, you know, it, it's it's tough not having, um, you know, not having practice in your normal weekend routine and things like that. So, uh, but no, we've uh, you know we've we've grown as a team and just had to work through work through those those types of things but it, it is uh you know it does make it pretty difficult okay that was uh matt de benedetto talking a little bit about how his richmond his uh, darlington finish is affecting his next two races and then also talking about uh uh you know the communication especially during the covid pandemic uh isolation rules uh, how different that is for them and kind of building the bond with him and his team. I, and this is one thing I've always admired about Matt DiBenedetto, no matter what the position, and I wouldn't say he's down or negative, but he is realistic. You know, he said they didn't have the best car, but he said they did at the end of the race get it in a good position, salvage the 21st. 
I know he's got confidence going to Bristol, but he wants to get at least a chunk of that back going uh, through Richmond so that it's not all dependent on Bristol. Because, again, he knows that's one that he certainly has in the back of his head as a could win. Uh, we've seen him come real close, top five finishes there. So he's got that confidence, but he doesn't want to put it all on that. So, again, he's saying he wants to at least take a chunk and be in a better position so it's not a win or nothing situation come Bristol. Exactly. Now, uh, I missed Haley Deegan a little bit earlier. I'm going to see if I can't play uh, about 30 seconds here of uh, what she had to say. So real quick, I'm going to try to get Haley Deegan in from the number four DDR Crossley Ford in the Arkham Menards series. And there she is. Looks like she's nice and relaxed, too. Even better. (laughs) (laughs) I just ran in the door. I was at the check all day. That's what I heard. Very busy day Uh, for you. So uh, before we dive into it, before we dive into it, what you been up to today? Why are you so tired? Um, We were testing. We were shaking down the cars and stuff, just working on our short track cars a little bit um, at one of the tracks that we're not racing at this year. This kind of sucks. Like, you don't get a test of the track. You don't get a race at. And so we were testing this little short track at past Greensboro or whatever. I don't know. I slept the whole time um, <laughs> in the car by my grandpa Joe. And it was like a three-hour drive. So we left at like 5.45, 6 this morning and just like tested the cars and stuff. I'm actually racing the same car that I raced this last weekend. So I could probably ask you a million questions, but I get to do that anytime. Okay. I am going to go ahead and end it there. Uh, so it sounds like she's uh, doing something other than the simulator, testing at some other tracks that are not on the circuit. So any quick thoughts there, Jay? Well, any track any track time is always good. You'd prefer it be on the specific track, but I know we've, we've talked about that of a short track versus another short track, Richmond versus Bristol. Some things you can take away, similarities or whatever that you can use, but uh, again, I think it's a step in between. You're at least in the car, getting a feel for the car itself and how it's handling. Simulator, that gives you more direct at the track you're you're looking at um, as far as visual signals. So if you have that opportunity, you want to take advantage of it. Without a doubt, uh, we are past the top of or the bottom of the hour here, and it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off segment. And joining us, uh, I believe this is Mike. Hello. It is Mike. Now it's okay. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us as well, um, but not here just yet. I believe Andy is going to be joining us today as well. Uh, since Andy's not here yet, Mike, uh, why don't we let you go ahead and kick it off? I mean, might as well get the big one out of the way, unless you want to wait for Andy to call in. Um, but kind of the, nope. the we we said it hot topics was going to be supernova today, and the big news that came out probably about an hour or so ago uh, was that Bubble Wallace will not be returning to Richard Petty Motorsports for the 2021 season. Um, this has been confirmed by both uh, Bubble Wallace and Richard Petty Motorsports, so it's not just a rumor. Um, no word as to who will be driving the 43 or where Bubble Wallace will be driving next year, but we do know that the team will be parting ways with their driver. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. So we have more questions. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm, has uh, been the case. I, you know, we knew that there were all kinds of options for Bubba Wallace and that he was taking his time and considering it. 
I'm a little bit more on the surprise side. I just, with the way things were going, the stuff we heard as far as Denny Hamlin and Toyota, I really kind of felt like Bubba Wallace was going to return to the 43. I wouldn't say it was a shock as out of left field, but um, a little bit more surprise. Like I said, I kind of felt that was the direction it was going, especially as it pertained to the possibility of Denny Hamlin and, and the move to Toyota. Um, but it, it does up, open up so many more questions. I hope the best for Bubba Wallace. We, we've talked about that uh, on numerous occasions. He's got the talent. It just hasn't ever been in the right situation. Uh, I know he's, he's shown improvement there with Richard Petty Motorsports, and they've shown growth. Uh, apparently it's just time for them to not be growing together. Okay, now Bubba did come out on Twitter. He said this was not an easy decision, as I have nothing but the utmost respect for Richard Petty and his family, but I believe it's time for someone else to take over the reins of the number 43. And uh, he also continued to say thank you to the King and everyone at Richard Petty Motorsports for giving me the opportunity to start my Cup Series career. I've grown so much as a driver and as a person since joining them and we've got nine more races together, and I hope we can finish the 2020 season on a high note. Now, in three seasons driving for Petty, he also has a career-best five top ten finishes this season and is ranked 23rd in the Cup Series standings, also a career-best. So um, Bubba Wallace uh, confirming that he is not returning to uh, Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, I... I, a little bit of both sides of the fence on this one. Not really surprised. I knew it could go either way. And um, he's uh, confirming now that he's, he, is in talking with, uh, he is talking with other organizations to include uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, I've seen posts, a lot of people speculating that he might be going to uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, to the open seat that exists there now that we've heard that uh, Jimmy's going to IndyCar. But, um, yeah, it it just seems like uh, uh, there's a a lot of opportunity for Bubba Wallace at this particular point in time, Uh, and I don't blame him for taking advantage of the opportunities that sit before him and uh, to get into a ride that he can maybe go out there and contend uh, for uh, some victories. So we'll see what happens for him and uh, any of the future announcements that come up here. Now joining us is our co-host for today, and that is Andy Lasky. Andy, we're talking about the Bubba Wallace news that he is not returning to Richard Petty Motorsports, and I know you want to say hello first, but after you say hello, if you want to get into that, that would be great. Yeah, better late than never. Sorry I'm a few minutes late, but uh, glad to be back after missing uh, Tuesday's show. Hope everyone had a nice Labor Day weekend. I know I certainly did. But, yeah, big news um, certainly coming out today that Bubba Wallace is not returning to Richard Petty Motorsports, which it's a surprise and it isn't a surprise, if that makes any sense, because, you know, Bubba had attracted a lot of sponsorships this year, and it, it had this look that, things were aligning for him to return to that team with all this newfound sponsorship with potential investors to help bring funding to that program that would elevate it, you know, to a point where they could go out and and contend for wins and and be a playoff contending team. And you really had, it just had that look and feel to it. But at the same time, you know, there had been some chatter certainly um, 
that Wallace was entertaining other offers, such as the 42 car at Chip Ganassi Racing. In fact, it has been rumored that they have offered him a deal to drive that car. So, you know, it's, it's, it kind of had that look and feel that he was going to return to RPM and maybe, you know, in a bolstered effort for next year. But this news um, isn't a huge shock when you, when you consider his opportunities for next year, some of which we may not even have, have um, you know, talked about or even heard the rumors yet. So um, certainly significant news, just another big domino, I think in the 2020 silly season for next year. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I think, I think it's fair to say, and I'm not sure what everyone else has said already so far on the show, but, um, you know, I kind of felt like him returning to the 43 car was, was the direction they were heading. So that kind of blows that door wide open in terms of what happens to that team and, and what happens, you know, with someone potentially vacating and moving into that spot. Um, and it's really interesting to me too, because, you know, I feel, I felt like, the key to Richard Petty Motorsports' future was retaining Bubba Wallace. And I'm sure that, you know, they'll go on and, you know, have success. But I, I felt like the two key pieces were the team and the drivers staying together. Uh, I think Bubba Wallace will go on and do good things in the sport. I no doubt about that. But I, I do have some concern now for the future of that team because I felt like a lot of their future success was hinged upon retaining Bubba Wallace. So to me, that's the big question mark is what Richard Petty Motorsports is able to do moving forward, but certainly big news today, without a doubt. Okay. Uh, It does make you kind of wonder about the uh, topics that we were hearing about Denny Hamlin uh, putting some money into Richard Petty Motorsports. If that was to keep uh, Daryl Wallace Jr. there or if maybe there's something else going on that we're not aware of uh, at Richard Betty Motorsports uh, yet to be heard. So, Mike, that brings us back to you. Yeah, uh, Jenna Fryer actually had some interesting additional details that she's posted in the past hour or so regarding Bubba Wallace. Um, The original offer that was on the table from Chip Ganassi Racing supposedly has been rescinded. It is no longer on the table. That doesn't mean the door is completely closed. It could potentially come back. However, it's not currently on the table. Uh, And the other thing that Jenna reported is that the 48 or Hendrick Motorsports in general has not made an offer to Bubba Wallace at this point, and there's no ongoing uh, talks, at least that, that she knows about. Uh, regarding Wallace moving to a Hendrick Motorsports car, the 48 or otherwise. So those are two pieces of information there. Um, The future of Richard Petty Motorsports, like Andy said, is a major question right now. Um, Sponsorship is a huge deal. Um, They've lost several sponsorships over the years, most notably STP. And a lot of the ones that they've gained have been more tied to Bubba Wallace than they have been to the team. Uh, between Columbia Sportswear, Worldwide Technologies, and others, it seems that the majority of those sponsorships are going to follow Bubba Wallace, which will make him a much more attractive prospect to be signed by another team versus that team going out and attracting another driver. Um, if the partnership with uh, Richard Childress Racing continues uh, in more or less its current form, I might consider penciling Ty Dillon into that 43 car if the rumors regarding Jermaine Racing continue to be uh, that that team may not be around next year uh, just because of Ty Dillon's ties to Richard Childress Racing and therefore the tie to the uh, the 43 car. 
but then again, the sponsorship issue becomes a concern because the doubts regarding the future of Jermaine Racing are because of the loss of the Geico sponsorship. So if Ty Dillon isn't bringing sponsorship to the table, again, the question about the 43 car in Richard Petty Motorsports remains is that team going to continue to be able to be competitively viable without the sponsorship piece? I don't know. I would say Bubba Wallace is probably a fairly secure in, in terms of his future and much more secure than uh, Richard Petty Motorsports is in their future. Okay, Jay. Riddler in uh, the Batman. There's questions, questions, questions. Um, <laughs> we got one answer, but how many questions? The uh, Mike hit on a couple of things there, though. I know it's always been a possibility, but what we were to understand was it was primarily a consideration between Chip Ganassi Racing and returning to Richard Petty Motorsports. Now we're hearing again maybe Chip Ganassi Racing isn't even locked down or that offer isn't on the table no more. Kind of the first that we've really speculated uh, heavily as far as uh, going to Hendrick Motorsports which I think, uh, again, could be a very good fit, then Richard Petty Motorsports in and of itself, uh, Mike hit on that too. I had seen some stuff on that. Uh, the logical thing there that would also seem to be to continue and build on their relationship with Richard Childress Racing and possibly Ty Dillon. But you also still have Eric Jones out there floating around as well as Corey LaJoy. Uh, a couple that I think, uh, again, might uh, bring a little bit different um, level to to the team. But we don't know, uh, you know, and, and just so many things. That I don't think we have all the pieces. Again, we don't have confirmation of Denny Hamlin and a Toyota team there. There was a lot of heavy talk of it, which, you know, as Andy mentioned and I mentioned, kind of led us in that direction that that's where our Bubba Wallace would be returning. So, this kind of throws it all back into a, an open basket, if you will. Yes, indeed. I don't have a whole lot to add. You guys have really brought up some good points, so I'll kind of uh, concede here to Andy. Andy, go ahead. Well, the only thing I can follow up on in regards to, you know, some things that Mike said with with him not necessarily being tied now to the 42 car or 100 motorsports is, the, the only way that I can see him not returning to RPM next year is because he found something, you know, that people would deem or he would deem to be a better opportunity. So there's clearly something in the works somewhere, and it, it's hard to say where he fits in. But, um, you know, clearly he's got some kind of a good opportunity for 2021. I, I would expect to see him in a car capable of making the playoffs next year. And uh, it's just – like Jay said, questions, questions, questions. <laughs> I think that this news are, you know, definitely makes us want to ask more questions than answers are possible at this point in time. But it's um, definitely intriguing news, and I think he's definitely found some kind of an opportunity that uh, will hopefully allow him to perform at a higher level for 2021. Okay, good points. Okay, Andy, uh, let's go on to you for the next top topic here. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson um, is partnering with Chip Ganassi Racing for 2021, but not in NASCAR. It'll be for the IndyCar Series with the intent uh, to run all of the street and road courses next year. Okay, so uh, Mike, your thoughts? 
Yes, uh, Jimmy Johnson running IndyCar has been. I wouldn't even say it's a rumor. That's that's pretty much been the news from the year that uh, it was. It was very clear that Jimmy wanted to get into IndyCar. He had a strong interest in there. Uh, he spent most of the spring and early summer trying to get some kind of an IndyCar test session done. He finally was able to, to get one done, uh, and now we ha- we've heard about the announcement of his partnership with Chip Ganassi Racing. I believe the total number of races between the street and road course is going to be 16 events that Jimmy's going to run um, in the uh, in the Chip Ganassi car. So he won't be running for a points championship, but it will be interesting to see how a NASCAR champion uh, fares in IndyCar. We've seen some moves from open wheel into NASCAR, most notably in the mid 2000s, where you know the open wheel invasion of probably a dozen drivers from Formula One and IndyCar trying in NASCAR and generally not doing very well. So it'd be interesting to see how a driver like Jimmy Johnson goes to a fairly different discipline. Uh, especially when it comes to street and road course races, where Jimmy Johnson's been a decent road course driver, but not necessarily to the level of dominance of somebody like Jeff Gordon or Tony Stewart. So seeing Jimmy in an IndyCar, I'm very intrigued to see how that works out for the 2021 season. We still there? All right. Yeah, I, just, All right. I don't know. We had this pre- – problem earlier i think sharon might have gotten uh got disconnected uh, again there no well on okay. to you jay yeah i was gonna hop in there uh the one thing i will say i like this one because it gave an answer and it didn't leave any new questions or unanswered questions so i like it no uh i'm happy for jimmy johnson you know that was what uh what he intended I know there was still that possibility whether or not with the COVID not being the best year for him to retire, if he'd come back to the 48 and all that, that kind of puts all that to rest. I'm a little bit surprised of, of how many races and the extent of his schedule, you know, uh, I know he expressed interest in it and wanted to do some things. um, And I know it's not a full-time or a full-time ride, but 16 is still quite a few, uh, so definitely interested in that. I might have to actually follow IndyCar a little bit more than I have in the past. So uh, I like that. And like I said, it doesn't bring about any other new unanswered questions here on the NASCAR side of things. So I'm even more excited about that. Okay. I made it back. I'm not quite sure what happened there, but <laughs> I, I my phone went dead and I had to call back in. Okay, so let me just say that I think this is a great thing that Jimmy Johnson's going to IndyCar. Uh, Jay just alluded to it. He's going to start watching the IndyCar, and that's exactly what he's going to do uh, for that series. He's going to bring in a lot of new fans into the IndyCar circle, and uh, I think that's going to be awesome. I also heard some rumblings, and I want to get your guys' thoughts about that, if I can piggyback here. Um is that I've heard some rumblings that uh, there might be a second NASCAR Cup Series driver that will also be running in IndyCar next year. I've got some guesses of who I think it might be, but I want to hear what your guys' thoughts are. Andy. Well, way to put me on the spot there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'll just give my thoughts first about Jimmy Johnson. Um, The man has uh, earned the opportunity to do this, obviously, um, one of only three seven-time champions in the NASCAR Cup Series, uh, incredibly successful NASCAR career, still competitive on the racetrack, going out on his own terms, you know, doing all the things that a lot of drivers would only dream of being able to do. 
So I think he's earned this opportunity, something that's intrigued him. And I, it's cool that he's not done racing. We still get to see him race. It's just in a different form. And, you know, I think this is actually a good thing for IndyCar, whose viewership is far, far less than, than NASCAR. And I think maybe this could bring some new um, some new eyes to to their sport next year, you know. And, and, you know, I'm not one to normally watch an IndyCar race, but maybe I'll tune in and watch Jimmy Johnson next year. You never know. So I think this is a good thing for IndyCar, and it's a good thing for Jimmy Johnson because he's able to go out there and do something that he wants to do. And I think it's cool that he's giving this a try. And I don't care if he isn't successful or not. I think that he's out there to have fun, you know, and if he can go do that the next year or two, then, then more power to him, you know. So I think it's awesome. I think he certainly earned the opportunity to go do that, and certainly he'll do so for uh, one of the best in the business in the IndyCar series in Chip Ganassi. Um, as far as drivers that might go to IndyCar next year, that that's in, that's an incredible uh, question, here, and I really hadn't given that much thought. I mean, one name that would come to mind for me is, is, uh, is Kurt Busch, you know, having already run an Indianapolis 500, but I believe – uh, believe him to be back racing NASCAR next year, so I'm not quite sure how that would fit in. Um, but there's certainly some very talented drivers, um, you know, that certainly would have the uh, the skill set to go out there and possibly run a few IndyCar races and be competitive. We've seen that in the past. So hard to really put names on it. Like I said, Kurt Busch would come to mind, but I'm not sure what his plans are for next year. So uh, it's hard to say, but that would be cool to see more crossover, I think, certainly between open wheel and, and NASCAR. Um, we've seen it in the past where the open wheel guys haven't really had that much success in stock cars. Uh, Montoya, you know, probably had the most success, I think, of anyone that tried it. But um, certainly would be cool to see more of that in the future. I think it would help generate interest for, for both forms of motorsports. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, Kurt Busch is the name that immediately popped into my head as far as a, a current NASCAR driver who may uh, make a run at IndyCar. Again, probably not a full-time schedule, but if I were to bet on any current NASCAR driver jumping over into IndyCar, it would be Kurt Busch. Um, if, if the rumor is just a NASCAR driver, the other names that I could see floating around jumping into an IndyCar, uh, obviously Tony Stewart has plenty of history in the series. I'm not sure if he's interested in going back. Uh, but with Jimmy Johnson getting involved in IndyCar, that might drag Jeff Gordon out of the booth, or Dale Earnhardt Jr. might be another one. Dale Earnhardt Jr. did participate in a couple of the IndyCar iRacing races during the uh, the COVID break in the in the spring. I'm not sure what level of interest Dale Earnhardt Jr. may have in there, but he was at least interested enough to participate with the series when they were doing their iRacing televised events. Um, as far as Jimmy Johnson's future in IndyCar, I know he said he's only going to do street and road course races, but I cannot imagine a world where Jimmy Johnson wouldn't take a shot to join Mario Andretti as one of the only two drivers to ever win the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500. So I know he hasn't announced any plans to try and race the Indy 500 next year, but I also would not be surprised at all to see Jimmy Johnson racing in a Chip Ganassi car at Indy next year. Okay. Jay, your thoughts? Well, again, the question is, is kind of a vague one. Uh, so to pick, uh, as you mentioned, a current active driver, uh, these guys have mentioned Kurt Busch. Kyle Busch is another one, if you're talking about one race specifically being the Indianapolis 500, um, that crosses my mind. When you talk about others that just have the NASCAR link, the first one that truly popped to my mind would be Kyle Larson. And I know he's not currently running NASCAR, but still is – tied to NASCAR. 
Uh, Kyle Larson would be another one. Mike, uh, I was on the same wavelength as you there of possibly Jeff Gordon, uh, you know, especially if it's on a, a limited basis or one-off event such as the Indy 500. He's another one that could do that uh, Daytona-Indianapolis uh, as far as the, the, the history books. So there's definitely some possibilities out there. I, I don't know that I see anybody trying to go over full-time I know Kurt Busch has talked about a couple of different ones. I think his was actually a little more towards the Formula One side uh, when he talked about it when uh, Haas Engineering actually started that Formula One team. So uh, we know he has interest in outside uh, races, other uh, series like that, and we have seen him run the Indianapolis 500. So that's kind of, especially when you're saying active driver, that's the one that's at the top of the list. Okay. Uh, the first person that came to my mind was Kurt Busch. Uh, I know he's uh, expressed some interest in the IndyCar series, and I could see him very well making a decision to race some IndyCar races next year. Uh, the rumors that I've seen on this, uh, and it is rumor, by the way, uh, was not specific as to whether it was former or current NASCAR driver. I'm thinking I might have read current, but... Um, it could be just about anybody. I like the idea of Kyle Busch considering that. Uh, that would be interesting if he were to leave NASCAR. That would be huge news if he were to leave NASCAR. Uh, but I kind of get the feeling that Kyle Busch still has some goals uh, that he wants to reach before he moves anywhere away from NASCAR. So just some quick thoughts from me in that regard. Andy, your follow-up. Uh, not a lot of follow-up, certainly, but it'll, I'll be intrigued to see who uh, actually does make the jump to try to do IndyCar next year. Um, certainly, there are some veterans on the verge of retirement, you know, if not next year, certainly in the next few years um, that we could see make that jump. So I think that'd be cool to see that and, uh, you know, certainly keep an eye out. Okay, Jay, your turn for the next hot topic. I truthfully, the uh, the main one there uh, for the day was was uh, Jim, uh, sorry, uh, Bubba Wallace, and again that leads to various discussions. Um, Jimmy Johnson was the second one I had. The only other thing I can think of, and we haven't heard a lot, a whole lot again. I know we still it's so been so quiet from that forty eight camp, but the other one is Eric Jones. Uh, where do we think he falls into all this? Again, now the forty three really is open and in play. Uh, is that one that we see go to Richard Petty uh, with Eric Jones, a winner? Okay. So uh, the next uh, person, Andy, your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think Eric Jones is an asset wherever he goes and can certainly help elevate a program. Um, You know, I think that – you know, he's he's a good race car driver and, and may not have had you know, the level of success that his teammates have had in the Cup Series, but he's a good driver. He's a proven winner in the Cup Series. And, um, you know, I think that wherever he winds up, he certainly is a, is an asset to any team and, and arguably one of the biggest free agents, if not the biggest free agent for 2021. So if he were to go to RPM or, or JTG Doherty Racing, you know, teams of that nature, you know, mid-level teams, you know, he can help elevate a program and, and turn some of these teams into potential cup winners. So I think that any any team that's looking to make a change for next season, you, you have to look at Eric Jones because I think he can help elevate a program 
you know, more so than where some of these teams are at currently. So uh, I don't see him not having, I don't see him having an issue, I should say, in, in obtaining a, a halfway decent ride for next year. I, I think that the elite teams are, the, the door is starting to slowly close on getting a top tier ride. Um, you know, but I, I think that Eric will wind up with something pretty good for next year. And we still can't rule out the fourth Hendrick car. Um, you know, obviously that's a huge question mark that they seem to have figured out, but the rest of us don't know yet. So, you know, maybe Eric's under consideration for that too. It's hard to say, but, uh, you know, certainly wherever he goes, he, he's going to bring something to the table and, and help elevate a program. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Eric Jones is a talented guy, and uh, he has a lot of opportunities. But uh, I'm going to move on to uh, Mike here. Yeah, I think the real wild card on this one is the question, if if Denny Hamlin gets involved in investment in either Richard Petty Motorsports or another team, um, I think whatever team that Denny Hamlin gets involved in, I think that immediately goes to the top of the list of potential outlets for Eric Jones. Denny's worked with Eric over his entire time in the NASCAR Cup Series, whether it be during his first season as a a partner via Furniture Row Racing's second car or as an in-house driver driving for Joe Gibbs Racing. So Denny knows Eric very well. Um, I have not seen anything that indicates that their relationship is anything other than positive and based on a lot of respect. So if Denny Hamlin does get involved in the ownership side of a team, uh, I would say Eric Jones is probably a strong candidate to drive for any Denny Hamlin-involved race car. Um, I know Toyota has said they've cut ties with Eric Jones, but I don't think it was anything other than just an, an amicable parting. So if there's another Toyota team added, it, you know, if the say the 43 becomes a Toyota team via Denny Hamlin involvement, I don't think that rules out Eric Jones either because now there's another Toyota team in play that wasn't originally there when Toyota announced the ending of their partnership with Eric Jones. So, again, I think we need to wait and see what happens with the potential Denny Hamlin involvement on the ownership side, and I think that might start clearing some of the uh, some of the mud out of the water regarding the future of Eric Jones. Okay, I am going to real quick jump in here. We are coming to that time of our show where uh, we do go off the air and uh, you'll be able to hear uh, the overtime bonus material starting at the uh, two-hour mark. Uh, I'm not going to say as much because most people are going to be listening to this as a podcast and you'll be able to listen straight through. But uh, just in case there is someone listening to the live broadcast, we are going to go off the air at exactly uh, the top of the hour here. So uh, just just an FYI real quick. So uh, the recording will continue for that bonus overtime material on the podcast. So, uh, Jay, what are your follow-up comments? Well, I think, uh, and again, there's still the question of whether or not RPM goes to Toyota which makes it kind of intriguing, as you said, that, as Mike pointed out, that Toyota said they cut ties with him, but at that point maybe they didn't have uh, Richard Petty Motorsports on the radar, and we don't know if that's going to be true or not. But I think for Richard Petty Motorsports, regardless of where they're at, they need a new driver, and I think Eric Jones would be a good fit either side, whether it's a Chevrolet still with Richard Childress Racing or Toyota and uh, Joe Gibbs Racing as Again, he is he is a winner. Uh, so again, you're bringing in a, a winning driver. I, I know earlier we were talking about Ty Dillon, and I see that as a fit uh, as well. 
But with Eric Jones, you're getting a race winner. But I also think he has to be high on the list of Chip Ganassi Racing, who's looking for a driver, and Hendrick Motorsports, who's looking for a driver. So I I don't know which one, and I don't know which one uh, Bubba Wallace is headed to. Obviously, with him making his decision to leave Richard Petty Motorsports, you would think he has got a pretty secure lockdown spot to go, one of those two being the top available, uh, which ones that leaves. So, uh, again, questions, questions, questions. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Uh, I don't really have one. Um, but, yeah, like Jay said, just a lot of questions in terms of what happens here. It seems like there's a lot of unfinished business, and we're only uh, nine weeks away from the end of this season. So I'm sure there will be a lot of things to come out. And I've said this on previous shows, too. Um, I think once certain t- drivers and teams fall out of the playoffs, uh, then you'll start to see announcements regarding 2021. I think everyone's focus, at least for those 16 playoff drivers and teams, is, is currently on the playoffs. But as we all know, um, only four can go for the championship at Phoenix. So a lot will fall out. And I think once they do, you'll start to see some announcements made for next year. Okay. And uh, Mike, your follow-up. No, that's about it. Like Andy said, we really there's this is kind of the point in silly season when all the dust is starting to get in the air, and it's probably going to be late October into November before that starts to settle. So it's kind of wait and see. The good news is we've got plenty of time to talk about it in future shows. Okay, Jay. Any final comments? Uh, no, I'm I'm good. Okay, Mike. We're back to you uh, for the next hot topic. Yeah, some good news here. Uh, Bristol Motor Speedway announced that they have sold out of all available tickets for the upcoming Bristol night race that's going to be in two weeks. Now, this is not the seating capacity for Bristol. They only had 30,000 tickets available, but the fact that they are also sold out is really good news, uh, both for the sport and for the fans who get to participate and actually come and see a race in person because that's been the thing that's been really missing from the sport this year. Okay, so uh, Jay, your thoughts? That is not a surprise. Uh, I don't remember where they were at with the All-Star race where they also had 30,000. I believe they were pretty close. And you're talking about a track that set the record for 55,000 multiple years. I want to say that streak went like 11-some years. So to see that uh, isn't a surprise. And like Mike said, it's good uh, on multiple levels from the fans' perspective get to be at the track and involved uh the sport itself misses that the drivers talk about it you know that winning is great but when you're doing it in front of an empty stadium uh it just isn't the same so and it's that next step leading back towards what we want to call a sense of normalcy uh in the world not just within racing okay andy your thoughts yeah this is uh it's great Obviously, that they were able to sell the capacity out bad for me because I was trying to go and I uh, procrastinated. <laughs> so I saw the um, I saw the announcement yesterday. So obviously not going to go to the Cup race, but I did buy an Xfinity ticket. So I'm going to be at the Xfinity race next Friday night, trying to get in whatever I can this year, certainly. Um, but yeah, that's awesome that they are, uh, you know, able to sell out what they could, and it's good to see fans back at the track. Important to note that um, the COVID guidelines that these tracks have put into place for the few races that have allowed fans this year um, have worked. I have not heard of any COVID outbreaks related to anybody that's attended any NASCAR races 
at least from the national series this year. So certainly whatever they're doing is working and um, anxious to see what some of these tracks do to close out the season. I know that um, I think uh, Talladega and Texas have said cup only Texas includes a truck race that precedes it that same day. Um, but uh, some of these tracks still have yet to say what they're going to do. But I think those that have allowed at least a limited capacity of fans have done a really good job with it. I went to uh, New Hampshire, thought they did a really good job in terms of, um, you know, their guidelines to follow, if you will. And I'm sure Bristol, you know, Bristol's already done this this year. They did the all-star race and and had no issue with that. So uh, cool to see that the, um, you know, they were able to get a decent uh, turnout for, for the seats they did have available. And um, I know I'm looking forward to seeing an Xfinity race. I think this is the only, I think the second one they've even allowed fans at since they came back, back in May. So um hoping to see more races that allow fans to close out the season for sure. Okay. Mike, your, your thoughts. Yeah, it's great to see fans back. They probably the, the weirdest, most eerie thing from this entire season has been following the driver doing burnouts on the front stretch, just that eerie silence in the stands and in the, in the, at the entire racetrack. And the drivers have commented on it. The, the, the media has commented on it. And I'm sure the viewers at home, I'm not the only person who's noticed it as well. Um, the drivers feed on that fan energy, especially at this time in the playoffs. It really gives them that added boost of momentum. Plus, we get to see those special moments that you don't get when you don't have fans there. Like when Kevin Harvick, uh, we had a fan try, a young fan try and give the flag to Harvick at the end of the Darlington race a couple of days ago. And Harvick said, no, no, you keep that. And he just made a Kevin Harvick fan for life. And having those special mm-hmm. moments was something we really missed out on through the majority of the season when we didn't get to have fans at the racetrack. Okay, Jay. Um, yeah, it's Jay's turn. Yeah, that, that's a very key thing what Mike hit upon there. I mean, that's what, that's the future of when you talk about the fans and being invested in in the sport. That is one of the things is that driver interactions and moments like that. So uh, obviously a, a good thing all the way around there, with the exception of Andy said he's going and didn't invite none of us to go with him. Tickets are still <laughs> available. <laughs> okay, Andy, your follow-up? That doesn't exclude yeah. the non-invite. Uh, well, Jay, if you're free and you get up there to Tennessee next Friday night, I'll be there. Anyone that wants to, I trust me. I've been trying to get people to go, and it's been like pulling teeth. But you guys are, if you guys can do it. You should do it. Um, I, I had to get to something this year just because uh, it's been such a bad year trying to get to any of these races, and half of them are restricted, and it's been it's been tough. But yeah, you guys should go. I'll be there Friday night for sure. But um, yeah, no, it's awesome. Like I said, I'm, I'm hoping to see more of these tracks, especially as we get into the playoffs. It would be really nice to see uh, at least, you know, limited capacity crowds at, at these races moving moving toward the end of the season. It's been uh, it's been a tough year for anyone trying to get to any of these races, and uh, you know, certainly glad that um, glad Bristol had will have a good turnout. I think they would have had a a pretty good turnout anyway. It's uh, it, for one thing, it's the night race which, you know, used to be sellout all the time. And I think we've seen, you know, a little bit lesser crowds in recent years. But now with this race being a cutoff race in the in the round of 16, I think it generates a newfound excitement. So I think they would have had a, a really good turnout anyway. Um, but, yeah, nonetheless, um, glad people are coming back to the track and, uh, you know, anxious to, to see what some of these facilities do to close out the season. 
Okay, Mike, your final thoughts? Yeah, that's about it. Um, hopefully, as the uh, – it looks like this, this COVID thing is winding down, so hopefully as it continues to wind down, uh, we see these capacity caps start to come back up where racetracks are able to offer more fans the opportunity to come in and, and view the races in person and participate um, because – you're not just watching, you are participating in the event when you're there. So giving the fans that opportunity is huge. Okay. Uh, That brings us to Andy for the next topic. Well, you guys let me pick Kyle Busch uh, in the Xfinity series for Friday night. I'm not sure how um, everyone overlooks him, but uh, that's the big news I have right now. But no, I'm, I actually, I really don't have a whole lot else. Um, obviously, I know you guys did a show a couple of days ago. Um, the only thoughts I can really give that I was not able to do would be, if I could real quick, about Auto Club Speedway's mm-hmm. big news. Um, that's just awesome. I, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge proponent of short tracks, and uh, for for them to, to bulldoze an intermediate track and turn it into what I think is going to be a pretty cool half-mile short track is, is really exciting. Um you know, incidentally, I, I feel like Auto Club Speedway was one of the select few intermediate tracks that had a little character to it um, in the sense that it was a worn-out racing surface with high tire wear that, that did tend to produce, I think, a little bit better racing than we saw at some other facilities. But nonetheless, I, I, any time that you can replace one of those tracks with a short track is a win-win situation. And um, I'm just thoroughly excited. Didn't even, I could not have predicted that even the morning that it was announced. There's no way that I would have thought that uh, that news would have come out this week. So I was pretty shocked when I, when I first read it. In fact, I had to read it twice thinking it was uh, some kind of a, a false, uh, false news article or a rumor, but no, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And I think that um, it's going to be awesome to see that track come to fruition in, in the next two years. So um you know, I, I think that uh, I, I hope that it's the start of a trend where we can bulldoze some of these mile and a half tracks and, and put some unique racetracks. I'm not saying completely abolish the mile and a half tracks. I think there's one or two on the circuit that provide halfway decent racing, but the majority of them I think need to go away. And this is the first of, uh, I hope, several steps in the right direction. So, really, 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 really excited about this news for sure. <laughs> okay, Mike, your thoughts. Uh, well, yeah, we covered Auto Club pretty uh, pretty thoroughly there. Uh, there have been some more renderings and um, kind of some overlay stuff that gives an idea of what the facility is going to look like in reference to the existing Auto Club Speedway. Uh, and it's striking just how much smaller the entire facility is going to be. They're retaining basically a couple hundred yards of the front stretch. That's going to be the front stretch of the new short track. Um, and then the back stretch for the short track is actually going to be even closer than the existing pit road. So it it really it reminds me of like the Legends track that's at the on the front stretch of Charlotte with regard to the the comparison and scale between the two facilities. Uh, I think it's going to provide a, a completely different experience for fans. Uh, it's going to be a much tighter, more intimate kind of a kind of a race, uh, much more like Bristol, where you've got that you know, that echo chamber of you know, maybe 100,000 people from the Los Angeles area all in there just rocking the place. And I think it's going to be a really cool race to experience once they get going in 2022. Okay, Jay, any additional thoughts from you? 
Yeah, I get to argue with Andy here for a minute. Um, now, I'm as I said on, on Tuesday night, I like the idea of the short track. When you're talking about taking away a 1.5, or in this case, a, a two-mile track, uh, I'm not sure that was the one to take away. And, and I just came across Matt Weaver has a, a, a video clip up of Kyle Busch uh, did not respond well to the decision to convert Auto Club Speedway into a half mile because he felt the two mile was one of the raciest tracks on the schedule, which is what what I felt. Now I know Andy's saying you know some of the mile and a halfs, and I would have to agree some of them are lackluster. I don't want to see any of them go away. I go back to the thing I would like to see if I had the capability, and whether it's the Jay Hoosman Cup of the schedule, 36 different races at 36 different tracks. I want per track um, versus two at the same track, but I don't want to see any of the mile and a half go away. Cause I believe that NASCAR can come to something with the car itself to provide better on track racing at these mile and a half that fans tend to feel are boring or follow the leader one groove, whatever. Um, and the PJ 13 or PJ, whatever it is, the sticky stuff is one of those things that I think has added that element. So I am excited about it, but I also don't like to see one like that of Auto Club Speedway as a racy two-mile, just like Chicagoland as one of the better mile and a half. Wouldn't want to see that one go away when that came up. So uh, I'm kind of torn on that. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Well, I think Jay just invented a new uh, compound, PJ13, so you heard it here first on Fan for Racing. Um <laughs> But, uh, it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. You got to go it one, two, three, upgrade. up, up. <laughs> um, no, I, I do agree. I actually do agree with you to some degree there, Jay. Obviously, you know, I love short tracks, but I, I agree that, you know, Auto Club Speedway was one of the better intermediate tracks, you know, in terms of a, a worn out surface with high tire wear. I'm a huge proponent of those types of racetracks. Darlington, Auto Club Speedway, Chicagoland Speedway, Atlanta Motor Speedway, those are the probably the four best intermediate tracks because they, they have tire wear, which means the driver actually has to manage their equipment and their tires throughout the course of the race um, versus the, the high grip racetracks where you could put a tire on for 50 laps and I'm just arbitrarily making that number up, but you put the tire on and then you take it off 50 laps later and you don't even know the difference. Those are the racetracks I can't stand. And I, that's probably kind of harsh to say, but nonetheless, I, I do agree that auto club was probably one of the, the better ones for sure. So is it bittersweet to see that completely removed? Yes, it is. I agree to that extent, but at the same time, you know, if it's going to be replaced by something it might as well be a short track that's going to probably lend itself to be pretty incredible. So I'm okay with that. And I I love short tracks for sure. And I don't think, you know, as much as I love short tracks, I don't think that they should compose the entire schedule. What makes NASCAR pretty awesome is the diversity of the racetracks. But I do think that, you know, we had gotten to a point where, you know, the vast majority of the schedule was intermediate tracks. And I'm glad that we're slowly maybe trending in a different direction, but uh, no, I, I think there should be some diversity. I agree with that. And I, I do think that auto club was probably one of the better ones on the schedule. So it is a little bit disappointing to see that go. I'm not going to lie there, but at the same time, I think what replaces it is good. And I'm glad they're staying in that market. Um, certainly the West coast has its place in, in NASCAR. And um, you know, I'm glad that uh what will replace it is, is something that I, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, you know, it's going to 
make me want to try to get out there at some point to see that, you know, and certainly makes me really looking forward to 2022. So, uh, but yeah, it is, it is a little bit disappointing to see that go away, but I, I think that what replaces it uh, has the potential to, to be pretty spectacular. Okay. Tell us how you really feel about those tires, Andy. <laughs> um, That's right. Or those tracks. <laughs> okay. Mike, you're up next as far as follow-up. Um, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about uh, knocking down too many other racetracks. Um, the thing about Auto Club that made this project pretty viable is the value of the land that the property sits on. San Bernardino County is just, it's exploding in terms of population and density growth to the point where they can perform this project, downsize the California or the uh, Auto Club Speedway property, and probably still turn a profit just selling off his surplus land from this project. Um, and therefore they can perform it without having to have a major investor or sponsorship partner or some other outside funding source. You go to Kentucky, for example, I don't know if anyone's ever driven past that place. It's really the Cincinnati market more than anything else, but Sparta, Kentucky is pretty desolate to the point where if you start carving off the land from, uh, from Kentucky Speedway, you're probably just going to have cornfields out there. So there's really not going to be the kind of demand for the land that would finance a project like that. So places like Kentucky or Kansas, as much as we'd like to see a reconfiguration there, I don't think we need to worry too much about uh, those, those tracks getting knocked down and made into short tracks for better or for worse. And, and let me just sound off for Sal here because I saw some comments from Sal. I know one of his frustrations with uh, knocking down Auto Club Speedway is that Irwindale Speedway, a very popular track out there on the West Coast, is within throwing distance almost of where uh, Auto Club Speedway is. So from his perspective, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher why they wouldn't invest more in um, uh, Irwindale Speedway versus knocking down another track. But I do think that there are some development opportunities that go along with this. Uh, reconfiguration at Auto Club Speedway, uh, but I just thought before Jay went here that I would throw my two cents in there for sale. So Jay, your thoughts? Well, and I do understand that again, as Mike alluded to, the the business opportunity, the business side of it, from that perspective of of that's the direction they want to go or, or need to go, maybe even. Um, but Sal brings up a good point. We kind of mentioned that the other night. Of yeah, mm-hmm. there are some other short tracks available. So, but then it becomes a matter of okay, where do you bring in that new track? You got to take a track away. In this case, they said we don't have to worry about getting taken away from us. We'll just make a new one. So, there there is that. Um, and again, I I am excited. My only concern, as as I, I expressed the other night and shared, I believe it was Doug Rice's uh, opinion. We've seen it in the past. Fans wanted more night races. Then we had so many, they're like, we don't want to see night races no more. We want road courses. Now we got road courses. Now they want short tracks. So that's my concern of you got to find that happy medium, and I don't want to see it become where now all of a sudden we can't get races at mile and a half, and nobody wants to build one because, again, the fans are that fickle. Okay. So, uh, Andy, did you have any final thoughts? Yeah. Um, Jay, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly convinced, having been on the old Twitter here uh, in recent years, that you're never going to make NASCAR fans happy. I think that you could uh, you could come out with the greatest thing on earth, 
that all of us would, would greatly enjoy and, and people would still find a reason to complain. I, I think people wake up in the morning with the sole purpose to complain. So no matter what NASCAR <laughs> does, it's going to, it's going to frustrate some people. And I suppose that's just, uh, that's just the way it is. But, you know, to me at the end of the day, uh, the addition of a, of a short track to the circuit is, uh, is cool. I think it's a good thing. I think that when you, when you look at the overall, number of short tracks on the on the circuit you know you could probably stand to add one or two more and and i stand by what i said a few minutes ago where i'm not saying the entire circuit needs to be short tracks for sure but um to add one or two more i i think is, is good so i i definitely think it's a great change and uh it looks like a pretty cool track it looks like a, a banked martinsville which is pretty awesome so um i i think it's a good thing and I'll, i won't complain about it I'm i'm pretty excited about it but yeah you'll You'll never make everyone happy. It seems like no matter what NASCAR does, it, it's going to frustrate somebody. So that's just uh, that's just the nature of True uh, words. Just nature of the way it is. True words were never spoken. Um, so Jay, I think we might have time for one more last hot topic. We can always count on you for that one more topic. Well, I did come across the, uh, another one, but and we won't even use this as a topic. But real quick, I just want to update Andy. Uh, Mike and I got into this and the fact that he wasn't willing to work with me and how I set up my tracks for the uh, cup schedule. His job is now the PR for, uh, for my truck team, which involves Noah Gregson and Ty Majeski. He's my PR guy to represent those two drivers. So just so you're up to speed there. The, uh, the hot topic we can talk about here in these final minutes is SRX has released another driver, an Australian driver of, of Mark Weber. Okay, so that makes, I think, seven drivers now confirmed for the SRX series. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, truthfully, I don't know a lot about Mark Weber. I've heard the name before. I know he's from Australia, but I like the fact that they have a fairly diverse lineup, and I'm excited, you know, for, I think it's, what, 12 drivers, so still five more names to be announced. Uh, It looks like they're going for, you know, very diverse backgrounds, and I think that's what's going to make this series pretty cool. So, um Obviously, uh, cool they made another announcement, and uh, looking forward to seeing what the final five will be. Okay, Mike? Yeah, I'm with Andy. I'm not super familiar with Mark Weber. Um, looking at SRX's announcement, it looks like he's, he's, again, Australian with an F1 background. But um, I wouldn't consider he, – he's obviously not Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel-type material coming from uh, from Formula One either. Um, so as far as, you know, the superstar big-name draw, I'm, I really am hoping that SRX with these last five drivers are able to bring in some big-name current draw drivers who are, if not champions of their current series, at least, you know, regular winners in their current series. Um Far seven out of the, the 12 drivers are either drivers who are at or after their, their primary career or I don't even want to say secondary drivers, but not, not the premier names from their sport. So hopefully as NASCAR, IndyCar, and Formula One wind down their seasons at the end of the year, SRX is able to get some commitments to announce drivers who are current superstars within their relative racing discipline. That's the one thing I think SRX is missing at this point with regard to their driver lineup. Okay. Uh, let's uh, go back to you, Jay, for your thoughts. Well, okay, this is kind of scary. We might all be in the unanimous here. Uh, again, I had heard the name, but I wasn't real familiar with it. So, yeah, I had to do a little bit of looking into it. 
Um, I like the uh, I like the international flavor. I do like coming from another series. Uh, I, I'm with Mike. I'd like to see a couple more. The only thing that with that again, when we talk about say cup drivers, is that additional schedule. And, and we've seen that the commitments they have to sponsors and everything else. Uh, I think back to uh, Tony Stewart's prelude to the dream, where you had cup drivers coming in for that one race, and it got to the point where the drivers just couldn't commit. And now you're talking about six races. I believe they're scheduled for Saturday nights. I know that was one of Kyle Larson's requirements uh, with Chip Ganassi Racing when he was running with them, was that he couldn't run the Saturday night before a cup race on Sunday. So if that's the issue, you're going to restrict a lot of the drivers um, or they're willing to risk it, especially. You know, if you're talking about a, a Monday night race, okay, something happens, God forbid it, you have a week in order to set something else up. If you're talking about Sunday morning, all of a sudden having to scramble and find out who's got a helmet, who's at the track, who's got a helmet or who can fly in, uh, you know, from wherever within that short amount of time. So I think that's where some of the concern comes in as far as your top active drivers in other series. Now I know the cup series specifically, their schedule is a little bit more uh, rigorous with the 36 races. So I think that's maybe why we're seeing more of the Indy cars. They have bigger gaps between their races, so I think that comes into play. Um, but I would like to see a couple more names that I would like to see out there for sure. We'll have to wait and see what these final five are. Andy, follow-up? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Mike, any follow-up? Yeah, it's the same. We're kind of in wait and see right now. It's advertised that we have five more driver announcements coming our way. Um, so hopefully we get some uh, some real superstar action coming in on the, at least a couple of those five. Okay, Jay, your final comments. No, I got nothing more there. You know, Mike's mentioned it. They are rolling it out, keeping us intrigued and following along. So they're doing a great job with that. Uh still have that interest you know it's not that i've lost interest i know some of the names are kind of like well well you know whether they be uh past their prime or prime driving years if you will but i think that could also lend to some of the entertainment well that's true okay uh we are just about at the bottom of the hour here now so uh let's go ahead and do our round table uh sign off and uh, andy we'll start with you yeah, um, SHR14 to 98 fan on Twitter, and uh, I'm going to be doing some writing either tonight or tomorrow, finally, about uh, Clint Boyer in the playoffs. And uh, I will be available to chat for every single race this weekend. Looks like a potential for some rain. Hopefully that stays away for tonight, and uh, we get to watch some short tracking at Richmond for the trucks. Really excited about that and uh, the weekend ahead. Okay, and Jay. All right. Well, uh got a busy weekend uh, as always. Uh things go uh well. I'll be at Jackson uh Jackson Motor Speedway or Capital City Raceway here in Jackson, Mississippi. I too uh like Andy, uh, I know I got article on Chase Elliott to work on here and hopefully can get that out here prior to this weekend's event. Um if not, it'll just include where he's at following two races, but uh, where he's slotted in in aspirations uh, of the chase for the championship. And I was going to give a couple updates here. I know for 
Owen took Austin Hill in the truck series. I took Matt Crafton. I think those were two we were missing. Sam's yet to come in with that one. But we did get him in with Chase Briscoe in the Xfinity series. And I took Noah Gregson. Andy took both. Andy split his. That's one. Sharon took Justin Algar. Andy split Kyle Busch and Brandon Jones, as he mentioned. Got <laughs> He feels lucky. Lucky getting Kyle Busch. We'll see how lucky that comes out. But uh, I put my money where my mouth has been, and that's on Noah Gregson. Um, Sam was the one to kick that off there as he came in with Chase Briscoe. Owen had Ross Chastain, and Mike went with Jeb Burton in that Junior Motorsports number eight for both races. And I don't think we have another update here waiting on Sam for the Cup Series. I think we had gotten all the others because I had mine in already. So still uh, Sam to pick for the Cup Series, and then Andy will have to follow that and hopefully doesn't pick up 14 more points on us. Okay, Mike, your uh, sign-off. Yeah, it's Mike Orzel on Facebook, Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter. Um, got an article live right now regarding Matt Benedetto and his, uh, his first run in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Another big plug here, voting is open for the NASCAR most popular driver. One vote per oh, yeah. series per day. And your vote counts double if you share that vote to Facebook or Twitter. I'm not going to say who you should vote for, but you should definitely vote for Matt Benedetto in the NASCAR Cup Series. <laughs> Okay, Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere, including our website, fanforacing.com. And we do have those uh, uh, playoff 16 drivers that we're featuring at Fan for Racing. We've got a couple out there as referenced, Matt DiBenedetto, as well as um, Eric Almarola, a couple more coming in with Chase Elliott and Clint Boyer, as well as mine, which is uh, Martin Truex Jr., so uh, definitely look for those. We also have the recaps. I know uh, Sam will have a recap um, from the uh, Cup Series race that will be coming out. And Owen told me he's got another cash or, pa- cash or pass uh, article that will be coming out for anybody who's looking to uh, – if anybody's looking to who they might pick on their fantasy team – uh, this is a, a good betting article on who to bet on and who not to bet on uh, for the uh, Chase drivers. So uh, there you have it. And a uh, big shout-out to our listeners. We truly appreciate everybody tuning in to hear what we have to say. We appreciate Jay for uh, handling the fantasy group for us. Uh, it's a lot of extra work there, and uh, we all have a really good time with it. So we appreciate Jay for handling that. And uh, I appreciate all of our Fan for Racing crew members uh, for all that they do. We appreciate you, and uh, especially uh, Mike and Andy that are on the show here with us tonight. So, okay, with that, I think uh, we're ready to call it a night, guys. Uh, time to say goodnight. All right, we'll see you Have a great day. in a little bit. See ya. Good night. Good night, everybody. Watching that truck race tonight. Good night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.